back in time. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Morelia Python Radio. And tonight we are joined by our good friend, Keith McPeak. He will be coming on and we will be talking about Walma Pythons. It's hard to find people to talk about Walma Pythons. Um, and I'm sure <laughs> since it's Keith, we'll be talking Bolins and uh, Emerald Tree Boas as well, because they're sort of his uh, passion at the moment, uh, if you will. <laughs> But uh, for a guy, you know, I remember talking to Keith and he was like, oh, I'm only going to breed Bolins and maybe a couple other things. Now he's yeah, like, was, no, he's Mark like long. me. Yeah. <laughs> like, he shit. tried. I'll give him that. Yeah. He tried. But it's so hard. It, it's it's funny because, you know, all of a sudden, Walmas have just become this thing where they were like an offshoot kind of, you know, they were, if you can't afford a blackhead, you get a Woma. And it's like right. kind of there. Yay. But, you know really really good looking Womas with really nice cream color really nice uh you know pattern people kind of get drawn to that so yeah. uh, i kind of see an uptick in really good Womas and then on the other side Keith also does emerald tree bows and i mean you want to see a reptile show grind to a halt have some really good emerald tree bows in on a table and i mean well, there was that we saw one at i saw one at Tinley I think it was the Tinley in March I went to that you weren't there. And this one Emerald Tree Boa, I had like, there were like three people asking about it. Uh, Josh bought it just straight up. And then people were trying to get him to sell it to them all throughout the show. So Emeralds can really kind of be, again, one of those animals that people just really want and pine for. So, yeah, I gave Keith the wrong number. Shit. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> You think after seven years I would have the number? No, this sounds like us. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Keith has been calling another podcast. Yeah, I mean, it didn't work. <laughs> Sorry, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least he didn't end up Idiot. on some very odd <laughs> podcast that we had no idea what was going on. But yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Keith will be calling in in a minute, but um, cool. We, uh, I don't know, man. How's it going? Are you ready for, uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> you dick. Oh, you dick. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was distracted. My fault. Oh my um, God. <laughs> how's baby season going? I'm, I'm, I'm not talking anymore. I'm done with this show. <laughs> sorry, man. Yeah. Oh, sure. That hurt. Jesus. Um, yeah, um, no, baby, baby snakes are freaking fine. They're yeah. doing their thing. How are you? Are you almost ready for Tinley? Uh, yeah, actually I am. I was getting my shit together today, pulling out stuff and making sure I have all my, uh, equipment that I need and everything. Uh, so should be, uh, should be a great time, uh, for sure. So now Joe, is there anything, is there anything you're going to go out there and like, I, I know we can't plan for the thing that will be there that will get us all like, holy crap. But like, is there anything out there that you would kind of be interested to see? Interested to see just to see and like purchase <clears throat> and buy. Like, I think we could be out there. Uh, purchases. 
Nah, there's nothing on my radar really to purchase. Like anything that I would want to purchase probably would not be there. Like, you know, if I saw, I was telling you before the show started, my Moluccan scrub unfortunately died. I made a dumb, dumb, dumb mistake. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was hit or miss with the eating. And I finally got her eating. And I just wanted to put some like, I don't know what I was thinking, man. I, I gave her, and it was a small, it was like a, you know how like the small medium in between rat, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the size I gave her. And I figured, ah, she'll be okay. Nope. She puked nope. it up and then she yeah. was done. So I was like, ah, oh, damn it. So back to square one with them, uh, which sucks because yeah. they're like impossible to find. But Keith yeah. works with them. Maybe he's going to breed them this year. Who knows? Maybe. I mean, and plus there's also other things that can kind of, I mean, you never know who's going to shake loose with uh, either a clutch or what's going to come in import wise. I mean, you know, we talked to Cameron and he says every once in a while people kind of get the pulse of what's popular and they bring in a whole bunch the year yeah. after. Like, so that, that might be something that's coming. So, uh, but that does kind of suck. But yeah, it's part of it, you know, it's part of the deal, you know, but uh, when you have that rare animal that you're, you know, that you're, yeah, you think you're doing it right. And turns out you're wrong. Uh, and dude, that's, and dude, that's a thing that um, this weekend, this Saturday was the Oaks reptile show. Um, right. And I went there and I met Joe and Melissa because um, he got some cow Kings off me. Um okay. And he's, he's one of those guys that appears out of nowhere with the voucher. And I'm like, God damn it. And then I'm out of Chuck King. So, <laughs> you know, when we go God, to Tinley, we have, God, we have those, those vouchers. vouchers and they come back to bite us in they the come ass. come back to haunt us. You're like, God, oh, man. God if I could, damn it. I hate those vouchers. If I could only make enough money for a meal tonight Jeez. and cover the hotel room, I'll be good. And, and then, then, like, all of a sudden, there's somebody. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. I'm like, sweet. I'm going to sell it. And they're like, yeah, but. I have a $250 voucher. You're like, oh, shit, son of a bitch. <laughs> and Matt's like, man, I can't I can't pack up these bloods fast enough. And you're like, I hate you a little bit. So, you know, it's <laughs> anyway. Um, but I was there and we're talking to a guy. Right. And he and he said it were, uh, Andrew and I are talking to somebody and he's like, hey, you want to see something cool? I'm like, I do. And he pulls out baby uh, dragon snakes. Oh, wow. You know, it's armor plated, you know, freaking. Yeah. They, I've They're never like, seen uh, one. Next to rough scales, right, for you? Something yes. About <laughs> Something about me and armor plated snakes. I don't know why, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I think we found my wheelhouse. But um, mm-hmm. it's, and it was teeny tiny. I never thought it'd be this tiny. And I never thought I'd see one in person. Uh, right. It was so cool looking. And they're like, yeah, you know, we have to feed them baby Pac-Man frogs. I'm like, what? And they're like, we have to, we have to feed them tadpoles and baby frogs. And what we have in the, you know, shop is we have a bunch of these little tiny frogs. And I'm like, oh, holy crap. And he's like, this is the only one that ate out of the whole box that we got. And I'm like, oh. So it's like, I would love to do these things, but I know I would screw it up. <laughs> like, you I can't know do the I frog? would break it. Like, I don't. You know, I would be like, okay, here's your frog scent. And then, like, you would eat a mouse too big or something and die. Or it would, I would never be able to get it onto the rodents and it'd die. Or, you know, there's a lot of, 
a lot of question marks there. So, I mean, I would love to try that, but, uh, you know, I really want, I really think it's going to be up to the people who have these uh, big facilities or, you know, access to a bunch of things that these things eat naturally to get the first couple generations under the belt. And then maybe I'll jump into it when they're like four gens deep and the babies are eating frozen thawed mice with a little bit of frog scent right out the bat. I mean, right. But, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. You would think though, at this point that there would be somebody. Yeah. Breathing geckos and frogs and, you know, something. I, am I wrong yeah. to think that? Like, no, I don't like, know. And, and I'm sitting here, and apparently you can go on. Uh, apparently you can go online, and you can buy tadpoles because it's like a, a pet thing for like little kids. You buy the tadpoles and you put them in. Watch the it grow up. Tank and watch it grow up into a frog. And apparently they're cheap as hell because tadpoles. But you know, right. um, so I've heard of some people doing that, but. It's just it's one of those things where I would really think that I, I mean I would love to kind of take that on, but I don't want to be the guy who like screwed up dragon rat snakes in the United States because you know <laughs> he, he he let them die. It's like you know okay yeah no I really don't want that thing hanging over my head. So you must have nightmares about keeping these rare species of snakes. Oh dear you're God, worried yes. about being the guy. That I screws am it because up. it's like because dude like. Years years later, like recently, that one gold Macox python popped up, and again yes. people were like, "What happened to this?" And they're like, "Well, the owner he screwed up and it died, <laughs> and now we don't have it because right. of him." And I'm like, "I right. do not want to be that guy." <laughs> Everybody like wants that. to try to be like the next, you know, Barkers or like you know, uh, well, or Keith or someone like that. You know, one of these guys that have been in the hobby forever and bred and everything and. Owen's worried about being the guy that screwed up. I don't want to be that. <laughs> He's like, no. Yes. No. I don't want to be that guy. Heaven for No, I don't. It's like, you know, because because it's sitting there and they're like, you know, we could have had a Morphin Maclots Python, but that guy screwed up. And he'd be like, oh, God. Like, you know, no, that I was, don't want to be that guy. That was a pretty oh. badass Maclots Python. Isn't man. it? I remember seeing that on MP back in the day and being yeah. like, what the holy hell is that? You know, I didn't even know yeah, what Macklet's python was back then. So you want to see me conflicted as hell? Watch me hatch like an albino rough scale. I'd be like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I love it, it but I'm afraid of it. It's, it's like, an abomination it. of nature. <laughs> get it out of here! Yeah, it's like, you know, it's it'd be like that. You know, it's it's one of those things where, uh, unfortunately, I think people get too caught up in the I'm going to breed it and I'm going to be rich, but you may not know what to do or how to do it or what's the best course of action or your way of thinking might not be the best way to do this, you know, and, and, and you lose it. And that, that would, I would be terrified of that. So uh, I'll wait well, on the dragon snakes. <laughs> maybe when we get Keith on, he'll try to uh, convince you to stay the course, man. Try to try better, to get uh, those rare better. species. And... Well, I mean, that or Keith will be like, you were correct. Oh, and I would not trust you. The rare species. <laughs> I barely trust you with the shit you no got. Go. So, you know. <laughs> I mean, you can't even breed the poplin carpet python. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, gee, we want to get into more advanced shit. <laughs> we need a strong foundation. It it hurts because it's true. <laughs> it's like, but what's true? 
You know, it's weird. Yep. I think that that happens to everybody, man. I think that every year you think you, I know, I know going into this season, you know, I can feel mm. like I'm not as stressed as I was the year before because I didn't do it for a year, but because I had <laughs> such good success, you know what I mean? Like in their head, you get a little cocky, like, Oh yeah, I got this dialed in. And then, yeah. and then they're going to just smack me right in the face. Like, Wrong, sir. Exactly. There's always one. There's always one female that's like, "Am I gravid? No." It's like, ah. And you're like, "I know nothing. I not like." Or I had this year. I had a female that I'm like, "Ah, oh, she's a little tiny. I'm gonna get like four eggs out of her." And she lays twelve, and I'm like, "I have no idea what I'm talking about." Like, apparently, I'm just along for the ride here. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, I got a I got an email today about doing a breeding. Uh, episode like a breeding season episode like we usually do every year and we do do every year all the time they they wanted us to dial in more you know more uh, minute details of of what we're doing and um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like okay that's cool but what was crazy is I didn't even realize that like the breeding season is upon us I mean it's like a month away. It's <laughs> like, wait, well, what? <laughs> and, and, the, and the reason, and the reason I'm laughing is because you said the minute detail and I got a flash of, do you remember like a while ago, there was a picture of like this old guy with a book and he was like scrolling and it said, what's going on in EB Morelia. And underneath I put a picture of like Jello yes. literally nailed to a wall. And I said, what's going on in rogue. It's like, that's the minute detail sometimes is that you just got to be able to roll with the bunches. Yeah, man. <laughs> Yeah. So so today I guess would be the official unofficial uh start of the seventh year of, of NPR. Um holy crap. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. <laughs> seventh <you're right>. year. <laughs> uh, yes. Nine twenty five. I'm gonna start posting the old because you can't get them on iTunes anymore. So I'm gonna do that uh. throwback Thursday thing, but no, can we not? Those are horrible. No. So I'm going to post up the this Thursday. I'm going to post up the original, the very first horrible, oh, horrible. Oh, oh the one with you in the bathroom of NPR. <laughs> <laughs> the only place I could go to record was in the bathroom, to where I wouldn't be bothered or nobody could hear, or I could concentrate. And yeah, it was you know I had this sheet and I was like. I could, because, like, coming into that, I was, like, mm. thinking, I'm just going to have to do this. If I don't yeah. do an episode, then it will never happen. And I know this is going right. to be horrible, but I got to do it because if I don't, it, <laughs> I won't, gonna suck. it won't start. <laughs> I know it's going to suck. I know it's going to be horrible. You know, what the hell? Especially back then. What the hell did I know? I didn't know anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even breathe at that point. Like, it's just like, all right, God. well, I'm just going to do this. So, anyway. That's that's it. So we're not going to do the uh, the show with the clips and all until after after Tinley. So and okay. we got to figure out when the calendar contest is ended. The calendar contest will end. The calendar contest will end on because it started on the 13th of September. It will end on the 13th of October. And then I will go through all the pictures and set them up in their various categories. And then uh, I'll weed them down to what the top 10. Yeah. Okay. It, yeah. It, if the category has 10 and then uh, I will submit them to you and then you can pick 
the top five, and then that'll be what you, me, and uh, uh, Tim. Yeah. Yeah, I got to get in on. touch with him. So. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So, all right. Enough of us rambling. You got anything else you want to hit on before we get Keith on here? Talk some No, I do not. Pythons. So Let's maybe you could beat him this year, right? You got some Ask questions, why, right? Why are you attacking me personally on this show? Didn't you say like a couple <laughs> weeks ago that you wanted Keith to come on yeah, because you I wanted say, to pick his brain about the hell I want. I can say whatever the hell I Jeez. want. But <laughs> oh, all right. Go ahead. You say it, and it sounds Thank better. you. <laughs> Keith's like, why well, yeah, did I, I do this? Why did I do this? <laughs> why did yeah. I agree with this nonsense? <laughs> Morons. Uh, what's up, Keith? Hey, what's going on the afternoon? How are you guys? Yeah, we're uh, doing we're okay. Doing <laughs> that sounds like you're so having I, fun over there. You yeah. usually try to, yeah. So. Uh, I'm offending Owen by telling him he can't breed Woma pythons. And that telling the truth that it hurts, Keith. Pick your yeah. brain <laughs> <laughs> to figure out how to do it. Hey, it took me a, f- a couple of years, too, to dial in uh, the few I have here. So they're not as easy as everybody thinks all the time, you know? I, I think yeah. it's one of those things either you run into it and you're one of those people that's like, I don't know, I put them together and they give me great eggs and the eggs hatch immediately and all the babies right. eat. Or you're the guy who's like, it has been pushing a boulder uphill for three years. Right. You know, right. I think it's one of those things, which, you know, can suck. <laughs> And the thing that's so deceiving about them is that they're such easy captives to take care of. Mm-hmm. So you think, hey, what the heck? You know, these things should be like, you know, breeding cow kings or something like that because they're just so darn trouble-free, really, you know. They they feed great. Uh, you know, they don't trash their cages. They seem to take temperature fluctuations so well. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've never had a sick Loma, you know what I mean? So, like, you just mm-hmm. think these things are just made for captivity, and then you run into, like, well, why the hell can't I breathe for three years in a row or whatever? <laughs> right. So, yeah, they can definitely be frustrating, you know? Yeah. Now, did you so, breed them back in the day, Keith? I did many, many, many years ago. But then I got – I put out – when I was really heavy in the bloods, I put out something on one of the blood uh, forums that I was a member of, you know, oh, looking for Loma pythons. And uh, Josh Trout, California, you know, said, hey, I got some, and I know you're looking to get rid of your uh, blood, so, you know, I got some uh, um, Barry Miller line, and and if you want to trade, you know, I'll trade you some stuff, so I got some animals from him, and then Lon in the city, he has this fantastic-looking male, and he shows up at White Plains, and he's like, here, I got a present for you, he gives me this male, so, you know, I put together a small group like that, just because I really, always really liked them again, and got back into them, so... These animals were pretty large, you know, and I took care of them for like a year or two. And then I said, you know, I'll, I'll try breeding them. And uh, I had them together for like two, three years trying as adults. And I actually even saw my female wrapping the male. And I told Lon, I'm like, Lon, this female I got here is a male. And he's, I'm like, that's why I can't breed these damn things. <laughs> and uh, I've never seen a female python do that before, but it was like, a, I, I guess, an act of dominancy or something. But she was actually, like, courting the male, it looked like. It was the strangest thing I've ever seen. Huh. I was convinced I had, um, you know, a male in there with another male. And then, oh. lo and behold, I finally got a good ovulation out of the girl. I'm like, holy crap, I actually, it is a female. What the hell is going on, you know? <laughs> And uh, and I want to bring them. And, and and 
I definitely think that I had the female too heavy, you know, for too mm. many years. And I definitely uh-huh. went back to my old roots of trying not to time it on my own and just leading a pair together for like, from like literally now till March. Oh crap. I got to put mine together. I, <laughs> yeah. I just <laughs> left them together and I, you know, and I, I actually treated them like colubrids. I actually put them in, in uh, boxes on the floor like you would and just made sure they had water. And I, I kept them on the cold concrete floor of the basement. And, I mean, they were getting down to the low 60s and, and you know, still faring very well and tough and everything else. Warmed them back up and started uh, feeding the hell out of the females. Very small meals but frequent. And that's what it took and, and got her to breed. And, you know, I'm not putting any weight on her. I'm not going to try her again this year. I'm going to wait another year and not push anything with her because I don't want to get her overweight again. It took a long time to get mm-hmm. weight off of her. Mm-hmm. when I did get too much weight on her. And I think that was probably one of the biggest things and, and probably not having to get her at the right time. Right. Is it, um, with Keith, with your womas, they're, they, I, they seem to never want, like, they're always hungry. My womas, at yeah. least, they're two adults. And, like, I have to actively not feed them, like, walk away and be like, no, nah, forget yeah. you two, because they yeah. will always take food. So is well, it really, well thing, really easy to get them overweight? Yeah, the, yeah, and the thing that I find really interesting about them is that for a, a phosphoro-type animal that spends so much time undercover and whatnot and, you know, designed for burrowing through the soft sands and all that kind of stuff, they have amazing eyesight. Mm-hmm. Like you, like the way they'll they'll cock their head and look at you when you come in the room and, like, look at you almost monitor-like, you know, investigating and, you know, I have clear doors on, on their cages. So when I try to open the swing a rat and they are just like all up on it. Like you got to watch yourself opening the door. It's amazing, you know, but their eyesight mm. is just so keen, which I find fascinating for a species that spends so much time in burrows and whatnot. You know, it seems more like a, a sight predator than, uh, like, yeah. you know, like the, yeah. like the blackheads, you know, have you guys kept blackheads? Yes. I have not. Mm-hmm. I have. Okay, so the okay, so the blackheads, like you know, Eric, then like what they're not strikers and constrictors per se. Like they they definitely would prefer to pin their prey against the side of whatever they can, and right. and kill it that way versus a full on coil where um, the walnuts seem to be more active strikers and coiling. Like I can't believe how fast they wrap their food up. You know, there's a big difference between the species, yet they both kind of hunt in the same way, um, mm-hmm. you know, in the burrows and trying to get animals into a confined area in order to, to catch them, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I, yeah, the, I would, I would agree with that. Um, you know, and the other thing, like with Womas, aren't they supposed to look kind of like their body, like triangular rather than like round, right? Yeah, it's Almost definitely like very kingsnake-like, you know, another yeah. like thing that uh, I always, they're just like giant kingsnakes in many ways, mm-hmm. you know, but definitely mm-hmm. um, they even have that structure when you're holding them in your hand, you know, they have that rigidity like a, a big kingsnake would or whatever, and um yeah, very similar to that for sure. But and I'll tell you, my female was overweight, but not obesely overweight. She was just slightly overweight, and I right. think right. it definitely had a big factor in um, 
you know, keeping me from being uh, uh, breeding these guys for, you know, the few years that I was trying because they definitely were a size. They don't, they don't need to be that old, you know, and uh, I've heard people getting them up to size to breed in two years. And, you know, these animals were five years old and still wasn't having success until, until this last year with these group I have now, which is just a small group, but they're one of those animals, like, you just got to have them in your collection. They're just so damn cool, you know, but, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, so I just have a few of them, but some of the guys out there that are really into breeding them and, and have a collection of amazing animals, like you go Google Woman images and some of the animals out there are just unbelievable. Actually, yeah. Eric, that one I got for you is like one of those one animals, you know, I can't wait to see how that thing develops. But oh, that female is really <laughs> outstanding. She, she really... I think you're going to be really impressed when you see her in person. She just really stands out. I've never seen one like her. That's, That's cool. awesome. Now you're working with, you said Barry Miller line, right? Is that? Yeah. That yeah. Name? They all are. They're unrelated, but they're all, uh, all of mine originate, uh, from his stock. So, um, the unique thing is though, I definitely think that two, two fathers sired this clutch because I have some big variability, um, in the looks in the clutch, you know, that lean in two different directions. And the one that I have for you, I think, uh, is out of Lon's male, because I was using both males rotating back and forth. There was always a male with that female for that whole duration. And uh, I saw copulation with both of them, but with one was that doesn't necessarily mean anything. You can get lots of copulations and never produce. I've definitely found Mm -hmm. over the last couple of years. Um, But this, this, this animal here, that really outstanding one, definitely takes after the male I got from Lon, where other animals in the clutch look exactly like the other male I was using. So it's, I would love to do some DNA testing if I could and just confirm that because uh, that'd be pretty cool, you know? Sure. That'd be very cool. <clears throat> yeah. So you're pretty much putting – so there's no worries with these guys of putting them together that they're going to eat each other? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, you know what? That, I don't think that's as, as a strong of a. Even though they're like mainly a reptile feeder in the wild, from what I gather, um, hmm. um, they're not as strong, keened in on that um, as say the blackheads are for sure. Blackheads I've had, like you know, you you have those um, babies in clutches when you're producing a lot of animals that you just feed off, you know, and the blackheads were always very willing to take that roll on. Um, right. But the Womas I have not ever really shown any interest, believe it or not, when I put the animals together. And I've seen no real aggressiveness in them towards each other. I have more aggressiveness with my bull and I between each other than I do the Womas. Um, so, yeah, no, I haven't had that as a concern. My animals are pretty comparable in size to that I'm putting together. So kind of, calms me a little bit mm-hmm. uh, that's good that's good cool um so pretty much with these guys you're you're just putting them together and when you were talking about um giving them meals are you talking about what are you giving them like a mouse small rat um and, definitely small rats like crawler size rats, small rats? um god gotcha. yeah you know okay. I, I don't like I, I was feeding them bigger when i had my female overweight i was doing it just a routine of a bigger prey item every 10 days or something as the adults or two weeks. But man, they struggle with that big prey. You know, they're definitely not designed for, for overextending their jaws like a retic or a berm and 
taking on these large meals, you know, I think they're, they they get a whole lot of thing and they wolf it down as quick as they can. And being that they're mainly more of a reptilian feeder in the wild, it's more of a streamlined mm-hmm. body that they're taking on than, you know, a big bulky rat or whatever. And I, I definitely noticed them struggling. They'd get it down, but they were choking it down, you know. It wasn't an easy mm-hmm. meal. So I definitely backed off on the size, but I, I definitely like what they get out of a, a like a crawler um, to a small weanling rat um, versus a, a mouse. So, so I stick with that size prey. Now, do you separate the male out when you're feeding the female? The like once you're warming them back up, or are you leaving yeah, that once, male? No, once I make the decision to start warming her back up and feeding her heavy, by then I've had so many breedings and they've been together for months at a time. I figure if it hasn't happened, it's not going to happen yet. You know, right? So right. Uh, I said definitely separating because their their feeding response is just too off the charts, as you know. So <laughs> you, you know, like. It, it, it's just it's crazy the way they swing their head around and how quickly they are. So I definitely um, definitely keep them separated once I start the feeding regime again, for sure. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So is that what you did, Owen? Did you follow that same kind of trajectory? Where do you think you went wrong with? Well, I got eggs, oh. but I don't think my eggs were viable. I mean, because they were not – they didn't feel like – normal python eggs they seemed kind of like they were slugs in disguise almost um and uh they have like that thin shell like a like a thin, yeah 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 like yeah. yeah they're like sticky almost they're kind of yeah. so and i she had been wrapped around them and she wasn't really she, she was hugging them pretty tight but they still weren't stuck together and they mm-hmm. weren't white either they're kind of like an off-white so i kind of knew from the get-go that something wasn't firing all on all cylinders with those eggs. Um, but I pretty much did them like I do my carpet pythons. I, I did keep them together during the cool down, uh, and into winter to which that was just fun because it doesn't matter to them that things were getting cold. They're still like, yo, feed me. So yeah. it was like, now there are two of them in the cage together. So it's like, I could get it. They were coming from multiple angles. So, uh, but, uh, and I, did see some i didn't know if keith had seen aggressive spurring by the male to the yeah. point where there was like scale damage yeah you know i even would see that scale damage on the neck behind the head of the female which i thought maybe the male was grabbing her and, and biting her um, yeah but i never actually witnessed it but i definitely know noticed some good scale scratching uh behind the head on the female okay huh. i mean that's I mean, it, dude, it was, you could see the male, I think it first started around like where you normally see spurring, but I guess he would just spur her any chance he could get, regardless of which way she was facing or what he was touching. So right. she ended up getting wrecked scales almost all the way down her back, like right. all the way down, which it cleared up after a shed or two after breeding system, but it was, it, it was nuts. I'm like, really? You're, you're like, you know, you're carving her up, dude. So right. uh, it, it was just weird. You know what tamed that down for me this year too? It just kind of mm. popped in my head what I did because, I, I, as you, as you guys know, they they really love a, a really tight, secure hide. You know, they really mm-hmm. do appreciate it, and they'll spend a lot of time in there. And um, and when I took this pair and put them together, I actually put them in a very low underbed box, and I packed it with uh, aspen bedding and actually newspaper rolls. 
and I made it just like the whole thing was kind of like tight and crevices for him to crawl through and everything else. And I wonder if that calms the male down from being able to so aggressively attack her during right. courtship as in a big open cage, you know what I mean? It kind of mm-hmm. limits his access to her body parts and whatnot. She uses, you know, the, the paper and everything as a block. Um, but they were together, like I say, for the whole cool down. They were in this uh, very large underbed container. And I actually had them in my Bowens room. And, and I keep, like, everything at ambient. I don't have hot spots for them or anything. And the Loma, same thing. I have provided them no hot spots. They're, they're an ambient animal in my collection also. So they were in that room, and I would put them in there at night and then take them back out and put them in my grow-up room during the day so that they would warm back up into the low 80s and then pop them in there at night. But I just kept them together, and I kept them in that box that I could just transfer from room to room real easily. And then once, like I said, once I put the female back on the feeding regime and all, then I put her back in my bars caging that I typically keep those guys in and separated them all out. Mm. Oh, okay. What's the time frame usually for like those guys? Like meaning when do you start to, you know, cool them and how long do you leave them down and how do you take them back up? Um, I actually just, like I say, I started with, uh, uh, around like, uh, mid October putting them together okay. and, and I left them together through the whole winter until, like March, April, um, I kept them together and I wasn't really feeding them at all through that whole period. I kept them pretty much like in a brumation, um, for lack of a better term. And, um, when I started warming them up, I just did it simply by not taking them out of the warm room. And that warm room was was cycling anyway from like 75 to 80 for the Mm -hmm. emeralds and all that. Um, so I just left them at that in there and, you know, their nights just started to get warmer. And then eventually that room went back to a normal, you know, 82 to 78 at night type cycle. And, uh, definitely, definitely did the trick this year for them. So it was, nice. it was nice to, the first group, the first pair that I had many years ago when they were still like, you know, five to $10,000 animals. <laughs> um, Holy hell. Yeah, those they were very, very easy to breed. That the, the pair I had back then, I was like, you know, shocked when I got these. Like, I'm trying to think of every excuce in the book why the hell, because you know, Lon gave me this animal. He's like, oh, how'd you do with the Walmas? I'm like, I didn't breed them again this year. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> they, they were so damn easy to first go around, you know. I'm like, I, I just don't understand what's going on. What am I doing wrong? And I was getting real frustrated with it because, like, you know. People have the illusion that they're super easy to breed, and I think some people have ones, and they are super easy to breed, because I did at one time. But you can mm-hmm. definitely get animals that, uh, like Owens, having right now, too, that, that's just very tough to breed. Yeah. Yeah. I I always heard that they were pretty easy to get eggs from, but the difficulty is the eggs. Is that is that accurate? or? Yeah, that's my understanding also. Um, and I did have... I had more success breeding and getting fertile eggs the first time I had them, but this go round, it's only one clutch and I understand, but it was so much easier. And I have to give Dennis McNamara a big shout out for that because he told me how he sets up a lot of the, the different um, animals that he's uh, bred and he just sets them up 
you know, in a dry box with um, the uh, egg crate on the bottom and a, a simple water dish in the corner of that um, nesting and, uh, egg box, and that's just humidity in there. And I think by keeping them, you know, drier like that. But I did get a little condensation on there, but it was definitely a lot drier than typically I would do python eggs. I mean, I got all good eggs. I didn't get any slugs out of these uh, animals, and I also hatched every baby. So um, huh. definitely it was a lot easier this go around for me. And I think, you know, Dennis's little setup trick that he taught me there definitely helped me as far as hatching these eggs. Yeah, because I was thinking about using those sim containers for that. But yeah, they're like supposed my... to very well. I've talked to some people that have used them for warm and, you know, do pretty well with those also. See, yeah, my I fear, did, though. I did that. That yeah. was my thing is I did that, and I had water, and I had a huge mold problem with mine. Uh, but, of course, what we were saying is that mine may not have been fertile at all anyway. Right. So, for all I know, they were molding because they were – they weren't even the live babies in there. So, right. Well, yeah, right. that's what I was going to say. Like those sim containers, they can get like, especially towards the end, they get, mm-hmm. I don't know, Owen, if you've seen it, but they, they get pretty wet, you know, like, I have. Um, so it's almost like I take that trick. I learned from buddy where he takes like the, uh, like hmm. a dowel rod yeah. and, and just kind of like tilts it so that the condensation will run towards the front of the, uh, you know that the tub is that's smarter than what I did because I used those sim <laughs> containers. I used those sim containers before when I had mangrove monitor X. So okay. near the end, there was a ton of condensation because monitor eggs near the end are just little heat generators. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and I was told by Andrew to just crack the lid open. And how I found out they were hatching is I came down one day and there was a baby mangrove monitor sitting on top of the bin staring at me because I had left the lid off. And when they're born with legs, they can get out of things. So yeah. it was <laughs> one of those things. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. You yeah. know what I do in, my, in all my egg boxes? Because I, um, I just use container store boxes of the appropriate mm-hmm. size for the animal I'm using. But... I burn holes in the side, and then I cover those holes with um, from the outside. Mm-hmm. And what I do is, as I see those conditions happening, I just peel the um, packing tape back and expose more air holes so that I get more ventilation ah. in the box. Oh, my and, God. Um, <laughs> Genius. And, it, and, and that works really well for me. I've done that, you know, on all species of animals that I get eggs from because that way I can just regulate what's going on in the box by simply peeling the tape back. That's right. like so simple and awesome. It's ridiculous. Like that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we think of that, Owen? Here we here we are messing around with dowel rods and other bullshit, and he's like, just tape it. And it's like it's like all right, <laughs> you know, Christ. <laughs> but no, that's no. Awesome. It works works really well. Try it um, on a clutch or something and see how you like it. But you know, because the eggs are giving off so much more gases towards the end of development, mm-hmm. aside yeah. from the heat and. Everything else going on in there, I, I did it for a lot of that reason, um, just to exchange the air in there more so for a healthier atmosphere than even humidity. But then I noticed, hey, this works great, too, because they are generating so much more humidity towards the end. So by simply just keep peeling that back as needed, um, it worked really well for me, and I've kind of stuck with it. I even did that with the Walmas, um, but because of the simple setup of 
humidity in the in the small water bowl in the corner of the box, I never had to even peel them back on on the uh, Woma clutch. So it worked really well. That is awesome, and it's something else to think about because it's like everything in my incubator is carpet python eggs. So if they even if they even need just a little bit of a tweak other than what a carpet python egg would do, you know, I, I have to pay closer attention to that or I have to do something different for them where everybody else is fine. So it, having tape on there and maybe not peeling it away or peeling it away might be helpful for the Womas. So right. Right. we'll see. Yep. You're dealing with all this, so when you finally get Boland's eggs, you you can you know all the tricks. So Practice, you can, uh, yeah. Maneuver around uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think when I get eggs, if they even make it to the incubator before I pass out and destroy them, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. No kidding. Keith, Keith closes his incubator. Okay, and then he faints. Like you know, they are. Yeah. Just hold yeah. on. <laughs> Yeah, the bol- the Bolans are a whole. Yeah, I, those are the animals that I go in my room, I look at, and I just think every day. I just, I mean, they just never cease to stop me thinking, and I love them for that. As much as I get frustrated that I want to have some more success, but I'm be- winning little battles. You know what I mean? Like I keep telling myself, yeah. "You're winning little battles." And, and can we talk about? Yeah, yeah man, please. Why, why not? Okay. Yeah, of course. Because Come on. Yeah. <laughs> between, between Ari's book coming out and my little chapter in there, and between Tinley coming up, like I'm so pumped on stuff right now. It's like ridiculous, <laughs> and I'm just yeah. going off on tangents, you know, all the time. But so, so the ball and I. So yeah, so all these different little things, like you know, that I'm doing now with the animals, um, I'm definitely seeing gains and progress with, but. You know, I keep saying to myself, like, the emerald tree bows. So I'm really into emerald tree bows right now. And, and they're uh-huh. definitely an animal right now that I want to go off, like, in a huge way on. And I, I've got, like, I don't know, like 30, 35 animals right now. Wow. And, you know, I, my goal is to have, like, 50 animals. Um, because whenever I've had a species that I've had so many of just that one species – like, for example, if you have 50 breeder animals in your collection and you're cooling them down and cooling them down and cooling them down and one animal develops an RI, you say, okay, there's an anomaly with that one animal. The rest of the animals are healthy. There's nothing yeah. going on with them. So that one animal is just a fluke. Now, you have one pair of bull and eye and you start experimenting with these different things that you think are going to work and you get that same RI right away. You're in panic mode. You switch everything, you change everything up and you go back to, you know, thinking that you did something wrong. So it, it's so hard to nail down a proper husbandry protocol when you're working with two pairs, one pair a single animal, and that's a big problem with Bull and I because they're so damned expensive. Mm-hmm. People have a fear of what they're going to do. So, you know, the Evan right now, I think in the U.S. probably has the largest collection of um, Bull and I. Um, cryptic when they bred them, the rumor was, you know, and, and they're very cryptic about what they do there, but the rumor was they had 40 animals to work with. Um, so you see a lot of things when you have that many animals to dial in your husbandry 
for success, you know? Right, um, right. So working with a parent too, it's been very hard for me to dial things in. And that's another reason why Frederick amazes me because he's working with four animals, two pairs up until recently, but all his recent, all his success is with those four animals. And mm-hmm. to have that kind of success with those four animals, I don't think people that have worked with haven't worked with a very hard to breed species really realize just what an accomplishment that is and how much respect you got to give that man for what he's done because he has such a small sampling to make his decisions on what's proper and improper for the species, you know? So to have that success is is just amazing to me. Um, And and to have that success and didn't Frederick move after he had the initial success? Um, I'm not yes. sure about that, but I know this last time Frederick just moved to a, a totally different setup, and yeah. he he didn't breed him this year um, because you know I know some issues that he was having with his radiant heat in the floor that's heating the room. He wasn't happy with his humidity levels, and you know there's different things that he he knew right from the beginning he wasn't going to be successful this year. He was telling mm-hmm. Arian me he didn't think he was going to do it this year because. He's got issues that he's got to work out to make those animals happy again. And that just amazes me with that small of a sampling that he can dial them in like that. You know, it's it's definitely a testament to his observation of those animals without a doubt. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I remember when he was first on the first time he bred, he bred them. And then I think, I think it was like the following year he moved and then yeah. he brought him again. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're and right. And I remember thinking, like, you know, That's it. we can't breed carpet pythons when we move. And this guy's <laughs> breeding bold pythons when he moves. God, we must have his shit really dialed in. Or like, exactly. I think, I think the other thing with him, this is what I'm learning uh, with keeping all these different species. One, it's not as easy as you think. Um you know, I was right. telling Owen before the show, I thought like, oh, yeah, this is, I mean, they're pythons. <laughs> but, right. Uh, you know, you have to learn like the little intricacies that make, you know, the different species tick. I found that the closest to Moralia for me, like carpets, are probably liasses. Right. You know, the most like bulletproof, easy to, you know, walmas come in there too, uh, you know, for as but far as keeping. That's it. But that's in your collection, Eric, because, like, my collection, it yeah. will be different species that just click for my conditions and everything I'm going on, you know. And and that's sure. kind of like wh- where I'm going with my thoughts with collecting so many of the emeralds and whatnot. Like, I need that many animals in order to, like, I want to eventually know those things inside and out like I did um, the bloods and the short-tailed pythons, you know. And sure. I, I don't know how much time... I have left working with animals. I'm closing in on 60 years old, man. You're hoping that you're keeping animals in your 70s. But think about it. A lot of these animals take five years to mature. So, sure. you know, you, you know. so in 10 years, you got to try to accomplish a lot. So if, emeralds have always been like an iconic, um, exotic, tropical, mysterious snake to me, you know, ever since I was a little kid and saw one in a book. So, it's just a species I wanted to really focus on and dial in, but 
I have many species of different animals right now, including even some rat snakes and, and different things like that. But those are right. just for fun animals. Like, you know, like if I, as long as I'm keeping them healthy and all, I'm satisfied right now. I like interacting with them. I'm not cr- like crazy trying to figure out how I'm going to breed them. How am I going to try to intensify colors? How am I going to, whatever I'm going to do with them. I just have them because I like them. They're doing well with the species I am focusing on, but I found some species that don't do well with me and and what I'm doing with the animals, and I've moved on from them, you know, and I've given them to people that are able to take care of those animals because it just doesn't fit into my collection. So, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, you you know, having a pair of this and a pair of that is really cool, but if you think you're going to be successful breeding every species that you're keeping, you're not. You know, you're going to keep them, you're going to keep them healthy, it doesn't mean you're going to be breeding them. Well, yeah, it's the same thing like with you with the, the emeralds. It's kind of like me with like even if you're talking about poplin carpets or even just carpets right. in general. I mean, that's the majority of my collection. To me, that's right. where I'm comfortable. That's where I feel good, you know. And I can I can even venture out into scrubs. I feel comfortable keeping scrubs. I haven't right. had any issues with them, you know. I, I learn stuff right. as I go, but you know, they're very similar. I struggle a little bit with the green trees. I don't know why, but I've had right. bad success with them. I, you know, I don't know what that's from. Everybody's got their Achilles heel. Like, everybody's got that one species, no matter how many times you try, it just, eh, whatever. So I think I think I was just trying – I think my, my, my problem in the past has been that I've just kept everything like carpets, just assuming that that's how you keep a python. And right. it's kind of similar, but like with, I noticed with, you know, I mean, not that I would, but you could keep water from a carpet for a week and not right. bat an eye. Live. But if, yeah. if you do that with a chondro or a ring python, forget it. Dead. Game over. Yeah. They're dead. And a white, right. you know? add, add white lip to that list too. You yeah. Know. yeah. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. It's, you learn all these things, but I think it, it's, it's making it better for me to keep the species that I actually you know, uh, that I actually do keep and breed, you know, is the majority of my right. stuff. It it makes me pay attention a little more. And one day, right. one day when I venture into the Bolins world, uh, which I will at some point, um, you know, hopefully it will help me with, with that as well. But I think right. about it, it makes me nervous because you guys that are like these awesome keepers and breeders, you're like shaking your head, and I'm like, "Well, how the hell am I gonna do this?" You know? Yeah, but, but but you can't think like that, man. Like you know, like I know. we got to all we got to all work together. And and like my example of sampling with the RIs when you only have a pair and you think you're doing wrong, but the more of us that get pairs and can compare notes and everything else is going to help us all take those couple steps forward. That's why. On uh, Ari's page, I always try sharing and sharing and sharing as much as I can. Sometimes I think I just become white noise to people. But, Hmm. you know, if I can give one idea to one person that's working with them, you know, it's a step forward. I just I'm hoping that people will also contribute, um, you know, their ideas or their thoughts or their successes or their failures on there. And um, it just helps us all advance the species, you know, so that we are breeding them and more people can keep them and work with them at some point, you know? Yeah. Keith, have you so, seen kind of, yep. uh, have you seen kind of like a change? Cause I knew we were talking earlier about like places like cryptid, like being very not upfront with facts or like what they were doing and kind of holding on to the secrets of breeding these things. Have you kind of seen that 
change over the years where it wasn't because I remember it used to be the I'm the only one who can produce it and I'm not going to tell people the secrets of producing these things to as it kind of changed to more of an open book everybody needs to know this stuff um well Ari myself and Frederick are trying to to get people thinking that way but I Mm -hmm. think there's still a resistance that people want to keep that information to themselves um and and let's face it, like, you know, I don't think anybody except for, you know, Frederick, anybody's going to believe anything coming out of his mouth. But <laughs> unless you've had success, it's very hard for me to convey what I think is positive here without actually hatching eggs here. So people take everything anybody says, I think, with a grain of salt with the animals, um, for sure. And I think that makes some people reluctant to voice their opinion also because they're going to say, well, I've never bred them, so who am I to give advice or share? But all that stuff, man, I mean, I would love to hear from everybody that has their animals and what they're doing because I can pull my own notes out of what they've seen and everything else and apply it to what I have going on here. So I don't know. You know, there's definitely some of that ego thing for sure, you know, um, Mm -hmm. people – you know, not, not wanting to give away. They want to be the only person in the world to do it and all. But this species literally is something that the doors are so, like, ready to be slammed shut um, and not be able to have access to. And without people breeding them, they're just going to vanish from the hobby if, if, if something, you know, doesn't change. And, you know, some of us are trying really hard to make that change. I literally, yeah. seriously... If I breed these animals, seriously, let's say I was super lucky and got 10 to 12 um, babies, which would be insane. But let's say I did. Quetzal did 17 and twins in a damn egg. That son of a gun. Twin but, God damn you know, it. So, so, we so, like you but hate you at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So seriously, like if I sold one pair out of that clutch, would be to fund me getting other animals, but I would seriously just place animals in people's hands that I think are qualified to work with the species just to try to get more knowledge about the species. I mean, that's how devoted I am to keeping these things in captivity. I'm not looking to make a penny from them. I would love to give, you know, Ari another animal so he has something different and, and you know, give Eric, who's looking to get into him. I would give him to people. Chad, for sure, I would give an animal to, you know. Um, mm-hmm. that's my goal is to get a clutch and get them into the right people's hands. So mm-hmm. we can, you know, try to get something happening here and, and keep these things in captivity. They're just too friggin' awesome to, to lose that to future generations. I agree. You know, same thing I would say with the scrubs, stuff like that ring, but you know, Absolutely. any of those species that could get lost and you can't get anymore. It's like, you know, just to keep them in going and, and, you know, I, I think sometimes with like, I wonder sometimes, like me and Rob have talked about this, like sometimes like because it's such a high price tag on Bolins, does that sometimes hurt the fact that, you know, they're not bred in captivity because maybe the person that could do it can't do it because they can't afford it. You know what I mean? And And it also goes back to my thing, like right now, the reason I don't, there's a couple of reasons why I don't work with basins. Don't get me wrong. Someday I will own a pair of Steve Volk and Ed Marino basins. Someday I'll have those animals just to have them. 
But right. the, but the reason I don't really concentrate on working with them, well, there's a couple of reasons. But one reason, the main reason is is the value of those animals. And they're an animal that I want to have 30 to 50 breeders of in my collection because there's many reasons for that. I, I, that's how I developed so many of the short tail uh, trait, you know, animals that are out there today is because I had a volume of animals. I was trying this with that. I was learning everything about the animals because I had a huge sampling. And, and you know, this animal to that animal created this. This to this created that. And having that volume of animals, I just see the northerns as allowing me to do that at not, you know, not being able to put my kids through college where the the basins are um, an animal like that. Same with the bolins. If I could, I probably would spend every cent I have and just have 30 or 40 bolins. But first of all, you can't find them. And second of all, you know, you're talking about a couple hundred grand you need to invest in order to have a huge group of animals to really do something with and learn about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's one of the big draws with the Northerns. Um, and speaking right. of Northerns, I get it. I got to give Ian a shout out for messing Jay because uh, he's working with me on a couple projects. He's got, he, he's like a pit bull. You tell him you want an emerald and that guy will literally turn <laughs> every rock over in the United States to find so every true, emerald that's possibly for sale. And, you know, I, I mean, I'll get like six, seven pictures a day of different emeralds that Ian has found. And, and he's like, what about this one? What about that one? What about this one? You know, like this. And so, you know, nice. along the way, yeah, along, along the way, Ian's found some really cool-looking Amazons and a couple of really cool emeralds. And, you know, I've got them in my collection, you know, pairing them up with different stuff I have. So it's been pretty cool working with them on stuff. And he just amazes me at the animals that he finds all the time. I don't know where the hell he finds them. I, I think I'm looking at all the ads, you know, that are on the planet for sale, and I don't see these things. The next thing is he's sending like five different ads for different animals for sale, you know. <laughs> so, so I gotta get him. I gotta get him on bowlings. I never even thought. Yeah, I know. That's, that's what we gotta do next. <laughs> it's like you know, you're wasting all that talent on you know emeralds. Yeah, you know. Yeah. It's, like get him out there for bowlings. Yeah. Um. So I mean, would you would you be open to adding any bowlings to your collection this year? Uh, if like, say you went to Tinley and they were like babies. Would you just kind of be like, stop everything? This is happening. So, yeah, you know, um, I don't know. Like, right, I, I was just offered a nice large female that's four years old. Um, mm. I was just offered her uh, for sale, but they, they're they are a huge investment, and I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. When when you're not having even infertile clutches or anything, you, you got to stop and say, at, at what point is are you able to invest that much money and not produce some babies to keep the project going at least? You know what I mean? Like you would hate to invest this money to just keep the animals for 25 years and not be able to at least make um, a few babies out of it to to keep your uh, group going. You know what I mean? And, you know, we all have bills and limitations on, on what we're able to spend. So until I take the next step and at least even get it, uh, uh, clutch of eggs that isn't viable perhaps you know i would mm-hmm. think long and hard about making more of an investment into that um as far as keeping animals here myself you want to share knowledge and all that kind of stuff i'm down with it if you need a mail i'll send you a mail or something like that but i don't know if i would 
dump more money into it right now until I see a little bit better results, which this year I'm actually seeing things that are really cool. I, I sent a picture to Eric the other day of my female laying inverted, which, you know, yes. is kind of awesome. <laughs> what the hell? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I've never, I've never seen now you, you well, Eric, you deal with uh, the bloods and the uh, short tails a little bit. And, and you know, when mm-hmm. those animals are large, um, they'll lay in really funky positions. Sometimes you'll come into the room and actually think they're dead or, you know, especially yeah. if you've given them a large meal or something, they'll lay, the males will even lay inverted like a gravid female and whatnot. And the females don't even tend to do it really too much until really towards the end of gestation, like days before they're going to lay their clutch. Um, it's typically when they do it. But I thought it was very interesting to see this female fully, you know, from her, her striped section where it ends and goes to black. That whole area was just totally upside down underneath the UV bulb. And um, I thought that was a really cool thing. And I've just seen, I keep this pair together year-round now. This one pair uh-huh. I'm really concentrating on. They're just together year-round. I'm keeping them at ambient temperatures now. I don't provide them any basking spots whatsoever. Um, I've increased the... Uh, substrate in their thing. I'm using peat moss, uh, topsoil, and cypress mulch, and I have that in there nice and thick, and it's just keeping the humidity insane in there without it being wet. And I don't care what anybody says. These animals definitely prefer that soil over uh, uh, newspaper or aspen bedding or whatever substrate. I mean, they literally, when I rake that ground, make it loose, and I missed it, and everything. It's not bioactive. Mm-hmm. I change it regularly, but mm-hmm. the pollens gravitate and coil and kind of roll their sides like a sand viper would to get into the bury into the sand. And oh, I definitely cool. appreciate that that, so cool. that soil in a big way. And I don't know if you've seen some of the pictures I've been posting lately, but I'm just so proud of that iridescence that they're really carrying nonstop right now, which. I've always noticed on Frederick's animals, it doesn't matter when he takes a picture of his animals, they're always glowing. It's something I've always strived to achieve. And I haven't mm-hmm. been able to do it even with room humidifiers and everything else until I've gotten this soil substrate in there. And it's changed, you know, their whole demeanor 100%. Hmm. Um, so I think that was a big advancement for me. And I've seen so much breeding activity with this pair um, now, they they are five and six years old, this pair. Um, but, you know, people get worried that, oh, you're keeping your animals together all the time. The males are going to get unstimulated and not want to breed the females. It's not baloney. Come on. We're all males, and we know when yes. the female's ready, you're ready to breed. <laughs> yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And, and, and same, I, I, I've noticed it with so many animals. You know, they'll, they'll go off periods where they're not breeding and you think they're bored, but if you keep them together, you know, darn if they don't go through another cycle where there's a lot of breeding activity. And that's what these guys, there's almost like a bond, like a, um, a bond between this pair. Now it's amazing to just watch the different things they're doing in that enclosure together. But um, I definitely notice cycles of breeding now where the male is heavily spurring the female and, you know, she's either receptive or she's not receptive. She'll give him like a really, I mean, like a violent body twitch when uh, he's trying to work her with the spurs and just telling him that's enough, you know, and he'll actually go to the other end of the cage and just leave her alone at that point. Um, so, you know, I'm seeing really cool uh, interaction with these guys, just leave them together. 
I changed my pegboard fronts to plexiglass so I could observe things a lot more. I was trying to originally just give them a lot of security, a sense of that being their own space and nobody's coming in there to bother them. Because mm-hmm. Bull and I are so inquisitive, I was worried when I was entering the room how much I was disturbing them. But now I've noticed, like, you know, I've been keeping them in this uh, plexiglass front enclosure, and they definitely have gotten used to my comings and goings. And if I'm not throwing out rodents in the area where they smell the rodents, they kind of are ignoring my presence in the in the room, and I get to just sit down in that chair with the lights <laughs> off, and I just watch them, you know, so... Definitely learning a lot, and definitely excited about this year just from the activity I've seen. So that's now, so cool. Do they perch a lot? Are they perchers? Um, they are when they're younger, and mm-hmm. they'll use it when they're older. If you're providing a UV light, they're so drawn to light. Whether that thing is a they're like a moth to a flame. That it doesn't matter if it's emitting heat or not. They're just drawn to the light you know, strongly. So if you have a perch in there that's near the light, they'll use that perch to get closer to the light. But um, if there's not a light and I have a perch in the cage, um, they won't use it, the, the adults. No. They, they do when they're young, but when they're older, they definitely seem to prefer the ground. They definitely – oh, another really cool thing is I – so I got different hides in there, and I got okay. this one insulated hide that I made that's super tight. It's insulated, which I think is a huge thing. And it's in the bottom cool end of the cage. And they'll only use that as their hide. And that female will actually go in that hide regularly for like two, three days at an end. And the male will actually perch on, coil up on top of that hide and not try entering for a while. And then all of a sudden he'll disappear. And the two of them will be in that box for like two, three days at a time. And then all of a sudden the male come out and he'll be using the cage. The female stays in there. And then she'll come out. It's just, it's just really cool stuff I'm seeing keeping these animals together. So you wonder how much of that is happening in the wild as compared to, you know, what Ari's been able to see because the time of the year that he's going there is a lot of the times it's when the females are on, on nests or whatever already, you know. So, you know, and and being just the nature of that uh, terrain and everything else, I'm sure it's very impossible to try to track these things down to observe why his telemetry project is so exciting to me knowing mm-hmm. what he's going to learn from that is is going to be crazy advancements for us you know as keepers yeah yeah that is going to be a huge uh window into their world you know to where you know he's going to, basically you can track them all year right is that the, right. the idea? He, he's right? gonna have, and yeah. he's got a one-year tracking on, so he's gonna, you know, wow. he's gonna do a male and he's gonna do a female, and he's gonna be able to, you know, go on anytime he wants onto this uh, computer and uh, and see where they are, what the temps are, what this is going on, what that's going on. So it's gonna be, you know, crazy. Like like people that know Ball and I and are into them, th- this is huge. Like this is gonna be so huge for us to, to actually learn. A lot of yeah things that we have so many questions yeah, that's about. Awesome, for sure. Yeah, that, that's a, it's a species that I'm fascinated by, but uh, I'm also sometimes I, I I think why I haven't like I said I haven't taken the plunge into them is just basically like just nervous about it. <laughs> like you know to yeah. spend that much money and and be like oh am I, am I gonna be able to keep these alive? I don't know why I second guess myself because they. Are they pretty easy to keep for the most part, or 
when um, you're dialed in. Yeah, I, I once you get it dialed in. I heart, I hate to say that they're easy to keep because I think they're easy to keep because if you've had a lot of experience with pythons, you see little things going south and and you'll correct them, which you have under your belt. I wouldn't be gotcha. worried about that. But I'm I'm afraid to say that they're easy to keep because there there seems to be a lot of people out there that have the money to buy them and just want them as a as a trophy. So right. I don't want to say they're easy to keep because I, I'm not saying that they, they don't deserve to keep these animals. They definitely do. But right now, to me, they really need to be in people's hands that are going to try to promote breeding of the animals. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, you know, people could offer me 20 grand for a baby if, you know, God willing, I did produce them and I wouldn't sell it to them if it was just for a pet. I definitely would rather give it to somebody that's going to, you know, keep the thing and try to try to learn and try to, to reproduce right. these guys. Yeah. So, but, but but I but Eric seriously, if you had like who knows what they're going to be now seven to ten grand for a pair or whatever, if you had that money to drop yes. on them, I I I wouldn't be afraid husbandry wise for you to get into them. Um, you okay. would just have to say to yourself, hey, listen, you know I may breed these things and recoup some of my costs, or I may not breed these things, and and I'm going to have them and just try to learn as much as I can for that investment, but. Don't be afraid to do it because of, you know, losing animals. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Right. Yeah, I think uh, the idea is is that, that I keep them and I have them, but I breed carpet morphs to pay for them. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? And not have to worry about that. Right. Not have to worry about that. And seriously, you know? to get the group that I got, I, I literally, you know, I, at that time is when I was getting rid of all my bloods and short tail pythons. Um, it just had gotten overwhelming, and, and I wanted a tough species. Here I am with another, like, I don't even know how many animals I have now. Again, I'm right back into it. But I got the bowling <laughs> basically by, by selling my whole blood collection. I invested all that money into to buying these, these pairs of bowlings that I was able to find at that time. Uh, I right. just got real lucky, you know. And then things kind of exploded. And now, you know, they don't last very long when they go up for sale. And they were out there for a while. People just didn't want to invest the money because, and they were cheaper. You know, when I got into them in 2013 again, they were mm-hmm. a lot cheaper than they are now. Um, but people weren't buying them because everybody wants a return on their investment, you know, but I, yeah. I didn't care about that. And there's, you know, keepers out there that they didn't care about that. They just wanted to get them and see what they could do with them. Yeah, I would just, okay. I mean, to me, that's like the, you know, I mean, we've said it before, but it's almost like, you know, to me, like diamond pythons and bone pythons were like the pinnacle. Of, right. I know they're not Morelia anymore, but, you know, back when I was just getting into it, they were all lumped into the one thing. And that was like the right. pinnacle, you know. So, right. like, I got half of that. <laughs> like, right. kind of, because diamonds were kind of the same thing. Like, they, you know. Absolutely. You they know, it's like one of those about things. Them too, about, not, right. you know, lasting long. They would, they would die. And, yeah. You know, the, you know, they'd get the tremors and, you know, it was a big stigma with them. So people were very scared to get into them back in the day, but yet they did also want to get get a pair to, to be accomplished and say, hey, I'm the guy that figured them out and everything. So, you know, they right. were definitely a pinnacle species for many years, for sure. Yeah, it's like uh, you just got to figure out. I, so this is probably what you what you mean by the bones. It's not that diamonds are hard to keep; they're just different mm-hmm. to keep, and you have to be right. able to see and pick up on 
those little triggers that you see that say, oh, that something's wrong, you know, right. oh, it's too hot or too this or too, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. So. Right. Right. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. And like I say, you, you would do fine with them. You know, if, if you're able to do it down the road, definitely jump in, man. And, and yeah. you know, you, you you got your finger on like everybody that is really keeping them in the United States, you yeah. know, personally. So yeah, you, you have yeah. Like, yeah. four resources. You know? <laughs> I could ask there's somebody. No doubt, hey. <laughs> there's no doubt Evan is, you know, definitely dialed in as far as raising red young bull eye to, to the black stage. You know, he, he definitely paid his dues with some, uh, my understanding of some of the first animals he got, you know, he had misinformation on what to do and he was having problems and, lost the yeah. ball and then he got some really good animals and you know he figured it out i mean he he definitely you know would be the guy to go to for that and then you know you got frederick you got ari i mean you got everybody right at your fingertips so yeah definitely jump in man we need you in the group yeah <laughs> for sure well you know what? set up those office cages man go do get you got four cages get some bowlings well, the, I got the, the spot that's right behind me on my wall. That I'm uh-huh. leaving for bowling. For bowling eventually go. one day, you know. I want to have high cages. I don't know. For some reason, to me, like I I'd think they them. like height. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like know. you know, you know my cage setup. I've been posting that picture of the one I got the pair and and they definitely, you know, they have the two tiers. So overall, that cage is you know closing in on uh, 45 inches tall. So, you know, they definitely go from the bottom. They use that whole cage. You know, they definitely go in from the bottom up to the top shelf to the basking down the below. Like, they definitely appreciate that vertical climb. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, man, you know, go with your gut and, and give it a try, you know. Definitely try the tall cages. Yeah, we'll see. So, yeah. this year you're going to try – you're just trying one pair of those guys or are you trying multiple pairs or – yeah, unfortunately, you know it, and Ari knows it, and Frederick knows it, but not too many people know it. But that massive, beautiful, insane, crazy female I had, I did lose her. Oh, um, man. So, it, yeah, it was Damn, definitely, man. it definitely sucked the life out of me and made me want to go underground and rethink things. And, you know, that those animals, they become like, in, you're insanely attached to them for just what they are, what they represent, and you know, mm-hmm. just knowing the journeys they've made to come here and everything else. So when you let that animal down by losing it, and, and, and there's no doubt in my mind, I, it was you know due to overcooling and experimenting with that, and they're so resilient in many ways that they just didn't show the um, struggle that they were having with that cool temperature. Um, until it was too late and I couldn't save the girl, you know, and uh, it was definitely a big loss for me. So I got a couple extra males. Um, this female that I'm working with right now is my only female of the size that um, I can work with. So, yeah, this I'm going all in on this pair. I'm keeping them together. Like I said, I do think there's some bonding type things. Like it's weird to say with snakes, but I'm telling you, it just I see things that just bring me back to my days with the birds, you know, and, and what pairs do together and stuff like that. And 
Um, I see a lot of mutual respect between the two animals. You know, the male knows mm-hmm. when he can go by the female, when he can't go by the female. They're not like some snakes when you put them together and they're either indifferent to each other or they're just always laying on top of each other. There's a lot of interaction between the pair and almost like there's signals between them on what they can get away with and what they can't. So I don't know. It's pretty cool observing it all. And uh, I'm just going to stick with this pair together and not in, even introduce another male into the, the group of those two being in that cage right cool what about you alan you ready for some bones pythons or nope 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 we (laughs) we discussed this in the beginning of the show like i i I don't think i would be able to deal with keith and ari being like you know you've ruined bullens owen like oh yeah so like you know now we don't get them anymore because of you i'd be like well uh, yeah no so and, and plus not they are a gorgeous animal and i would really love again i'd be the guy that would be like i'd I'd want one just to have and be like it it's cool and it's chilling i wouldn't even try to do any of the breedings or anything like that so i, I don't think i would be helpful to your guys stuff so Brother yeah i'm going to yeah. hold yeah well, i'm going to hold I was, listening, I was listening to you talk about those dragon snakes and, mm-hmm. and like you know those are a species that you know like i say has been on my there's literally not a species of reptile out there I wouldn't want to keep. Isn't that sad? Like, there's, there's nothing <laughs> out there that does not, like, you know, that I do not want. I mean, I see right. garter snakes, and I'm, like, blown away by some of these garter snakes. And, you know, I mean anything out there. But a dragon snake, to me, is another species that you need 20, 30 animals to really yes. dial in that animal. You know, if you get a pair, you're not really, I don't think, learning enough because, you don't have that sampling of a lot of animals, you know, and that, the, you know, the guys that are able to put together a group like that are, are, are going to learn a lot and hopefully establish that species strongly in captivity, you know? Yeah. Right. And, and they, they are, they're so cool. I mean, it was, it was cool to hold it. Cause I was like, I, I it's one of those animals that you never think you're going to see in person, let alone have in your hand. And it's just yeah. like, Oh my God. So, and the guy wanted like, 200 something bucks for it and it like hadn't been eating and i think one of them ate a tadpole and i'm like no i I, like again if i buy this i'm gonna try and i might have success keeping it alive maybe i'll run into babies at one point but i'm not going to establish the species so pass yeah i've seen (laughs) i've seen a couple i've seen a couple people that are being successful with them like uh i can't remember where i think janet lee um i think she has a couple of them but um, there's a care, actually a care sheet out, out on taking care of them because there are some people that are having good success and they feel just like I do with the bull and I like they're sharing the information like greatly trying to get people, hey, listen, if you're going to buy this thing because it is only a two or $250 animal, at least, you know, know what you're doing and what you're getting into to take care of it properly. So they're sharing a lot of that information, which is fantastic, you know. Um, so hopefully people will latch on to that and, and, and take that as a stepping stone to, to learn how to take care of those things. Can you picture having like a, a display cage with those and right next to them having like earless monitors or something like that? Yes! You know, that'd be insanely cool. You know? Hell yeah. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, they, I mean, they are really cool snakes for sure, no doubt. Aren't they from, they're from Papua New Guinea, right? Aren't they? Yeah. Well, we had we had Ari on for the first show and the first time we ever had Ari on and I geeked out about the dragon 
uh, rat snakes because he says he found some. And then, like, the next day on my Facebook page, he put a bunch of pictures of them that he, like, either he stumbled across one or something like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I, they're cool. I would really love a pair, but, again, I don't want to screw them up. I don't want to be that guy. So, <laughs> But you might be that guy that figures them out. You never know. The risk is too high, Keith. It's like it, is, <laughs> it, is, it is far too high, and it is far too leaning in the other direction, knowing me and my luck. So, you Look know. at you, Owen, trying to protect the integrity of the show. I, I appreciate Thank that. Thank you. God. <laughs> I'm trying to protect the integrity. I know how things have changed. I'm protecting the integrity of the show, and Eric's giving people the wrong number to call in with. So you know, it's (laughs) like an idiot. I'm like, wait, it's not working. I didn't pay the bill. What's going on? You know, I I felt like I felt like when I was 18 back then, you could drink and go to bars at 18, and the girls would give you the wrong phone number. That really didn't play the call. We tricked Keith. We didn't really want him to come on. Yeah. It's like, yeah, aw. <laughs> yeah, the, nah. the first response Eric sent to me was, no, Keith, keep trying. Keep trying. <laughs> yeah. Keep going, going, man. You'll get it. It's like, what? <laughs> You're pushing the wrong buttons. Uh, do you even push buttons Jeez. anymore? I don't even think you did. No, um, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's all touch screens. There's, there's no uh-huh. rotary dials anymore. What no, the hell, no dude? <laughs> Um, so I, I know this is not on our, uh, topics, but I was curious, are you still, you're still working with Moluccan scrubs? Yes. Um, actually I sent mine to Chad who had oh. previous success with him. Yeah. And, okay. you, you know, so I wanted to dare again for the next species in captivity. So I'm like, you know what? I got plenty of stuff to play with here. Uh, Chad is a great guy. And he had success with him, so I made him the offer, and he, he was like, sure, man, let, let's get get it going. So uh, they're nice. at Chad, and hopefully Chad will do something with him. You know, I, I know he's putting together a little group of them um, again, and, you know, he's still got uh, the animals that he had. So I think he's going to get a nice group together, and he'll probably be one of the guys that uh, will regularly be producing them. So. Nice. Um, I told him, you, you take them, you do what you can, and uh, you get success. You give me a pair back, and, you know, I'll, I'll go from there. But I'm really That's hoping right. uh, Chad pulls something off with him. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, yeah, he's the guy to do it. I got, you know, he's, he's yeah. done in the past, yeah. so he's got it yep. dialed in. Yeah. I just lost my female. I was saying at the beginning, it's like such a kick, man. I Kicking the match. Yeah. Oh, it sucks. Yeah. So, that was a you constant know, born animal, too, right? No, no, she was uh She's really nice wild. She was just yeah. a small cat captive hatched, well apparently. Well, that's what they said. Okay. You know, I don't Whatever. know how true that is, but <laughs> she was really small when she came in and you know I was just so glad to have the species again cuz like an idiot I had a pair of them and I sold them to Owen and I don't know what he did with them. No, oh, Owen promptly killed them because he's an idiot. So, uh, you know, that's yeah. That guy, was, huh? Yeah, don't know. You are that um, guy. I am. Thank you. I told you. I don't know why you're so shocked. <laughs> I shouldn't be surprised. I, I don't. You shouldn't be. I tell you everything. Oh, so um, I had that male with the stripe. Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah, I know. What was I thinking it when I pissed oh, me off. <laughs> oh man. But, um, but it's funny because uh, the one male that Chad Gray actually had success with was the boy that. I sent to him. 
So I'm good at raising it, and then I give it to other people who have success with it. Don't ah. let me keep it because it'll die. So you know, right. just, <laughs> after a certain point, someone needs to take it away from me. So it's right. like how Nick <laughs> took the rough scale and that breeding for him. So yeah, right. Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> so maybe we just put them in your house to raise, and then you send them <laughs> here, and we it. breed, Zoom and we'll work as a team. <laughs> It all sounds perfect to me, yeah. Right. Uh, they're, they're, they're without a doubt my favorite scrub. They're just uh, they're insanely beautiful animals. Uh, they they just remind me of Golden Bull and I, you know. I, I just, yeah. They're just so cool mm-hmm. looking. Yeah. yeah, for sure. They're a cool species. Um, so are you excited about the book? I mean, you've you've actually seen it read it already right i mean you wrote part uh, of it. yeah i, I, I uh our share has been sharing along the way so i have a, a good base on on what the book is and you know i cannot wait to get my copy i was just joseph Pauski just posted on there all right i need my two copies when the hell am i going to get my two copies on facebook and i posted are you freaking kidding me i wrote in the damn thing and i don't have my copy <laughs> <laughs> So, so you know, I don't think anybody's going to be disappointed. It's just really cool. The the book is awesome. You know, just how it goes into great detail on on the on the people of the area and the habitat of the area, and you know his adventures over there, and and every one of those things, you know, is a learning experience for the snake, and and gives you just such great insight on where these guys come from and everything. It's just, I think it's really good. You know, he's got input from Quetzal and Frederick and Mark O'Shea. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's just, you know, really an all around great book. It's not um, just on their captive husbandry. You know what I mean? It's, it just right. gives you so much more than that. Um, it's going to be a great read. You know, I can't wait to start seeing some of the feedback, uh, from people once they get it and are able to start reading it. Yeah, I can't wait. I hope I hope to get it before he comes on the show because he's coming on what October sixth? No, October ninth. So I'm right hoping before Tinley, right? Before Tinley, yeah. but I mean, yeah. And so, and I imagine is he going to have the book at Tinley, or is that something we're going to yes. have to ask Gary? No, okay. that's the goal. The goal is he's uh, Russ did post on Joe's uh, thing there that. Um, they're due to be in next week, I believe, and in okay. the custom. So, uh, yeah, they should just make it under the wire. And, um, you know, Ari did fantastic at the symposium in Copenhagen with the book. Uh, he sold them all in two hours' time that Jeez. he brought with him there. Um, so, you know, he was very excited with how it was received there. So, um, as long as they come in, I think he'll be going to Tinley loaded with bear. You know, definitely have a lot of copies there for uh, – for the people that want them. So um, it seemed like the hard covers, you know, I don't think there's very few of those left. They, they only print in a limited edition, 150, I think it was. And yeah. I don't know how many are left. I mean, last, last I heard from Ari, which was a while ago, I think 80 or 90 of them had been sold already. So Holy hell. Yeah. yeah there's yeah. Not, not a lot of those left. I got the hard so, copy just because, you know, I'm you thinking like it. 10 years from now when you're like, uh, you know what I mean? I don't know. I think about that with the, the blue Bible book and, the, yeah. you know, Ari's old book that you can't get anywhere, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, I, you know, Frederick had to, like, really rub it in, and he's, he's texting me, and he's showing me pictures of him holding <laughs> the book, and he's like, I got the book before you, you know? And I'm like, are uh, you kidding me? I'm like, I go, I guarantee you that they don't even save me a hardcover, and I'm going to have to oh. buy a used paperback, like, five years from now or something. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and, and Ari's doing his same uh symposium or I guess or whatever talk he did in Copenhagen yeah. doing that at Tinley. So I mean Keith, you're a you're a you're a tall guy. Do you feel bad that you're gonna be sitting front row center and blocking the people behind you? Or are you just <laughs> you don't care. Get up and go in the back and do security yeah. or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You go sit in the back, you it's like that's <laughs> yeah, no, I can't wait to, to hear it. Uh, from what I've heard from Casper and everything, it was really good. So, yeah, that should be really, really fun. Uh, you know, it's at 2 o'clock, though. I was joking with you, right, Eric? I'll, I'll watch your table where you go to watch that. So. <laughs> nah. <laughs> but, see, uh, yeah, is... I'm going to have to break away and go check that out. Yeah. This is where we break away and Rob can watch the table. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Dear Rob. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, there'll, yeah, there'll always really be close, somebody yeah. on Carpet Row to watch the tables go. That's you know, true. come on now. I don't trust none of them knuckleheads. Oh, yeah. Morelia people. Yeah. They're sketchy, man. I'll guys, come back. Everything guys, will be mixed up. Have you, you guys that? talked to anybody out there? Is it, is it going to be set up? Are you guys going to be in the same spot as you were last year? Uh, um, well, yeah, I believe so. So I will I was not be to... because I'll be here. At my yeah. house and not going. So um, there's. So that. I was supposed to get a table right next to Matt. That was the plan. But right. like a knucklehead, I waited too long and didn't realize that the tables would sell out so fast. So yeah, I had to go in with uh, John Battaglia, um, and we were splitting a table. But then he backed out, and um, he decided he's not he's not going to vend, and. Uh, me and Jason Balin split the table, so I'll be over there at Carpet Row. But next year, gotcha. I will be be in the back where you guys were at um, with Owen. With, with Owen. Owen. With o- thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Matt's got a real good spot. Hopefully, I, I think he's nailed that down again for this year. But that that's a fantastic spot that he got. I thought it, you know, gave him good room. It gave him good. You know, viewing of the crowd coming towards him and everything. He's got that big right. ass banner. Did you see that new banner he got? That thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, sharp. He showed that yeah. to us. Yeah, yeah, uh, it looks good. So, yeah, yeah it should be a good time. I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, for sure, for sure. Those guys ain't coming over again, like uh, Frederick and Casper and stuff. They ain't coming over, right? Uh, no, they're not making it this year. But Frederick said for sure next year. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, so he'll be there next year. But, uh, yeah, no, Casper and him are, aren't going to make it this year. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> okay. I guess uh, maybe for a little bit we'll talk about uh, a little bit of Emerald Tree Boas. I'm not really fam- yeah. all too familiar with Emerald Tree Boas, so. They hurt. I don't know. Emerald Tree Boas <laughs> hurt. That's all. That's all I know about them is that they make me bleed profusely. So, you know, yeah. the only thing I, yeah, I know that. And I think, don't they have some kind of, uh, well, some of them do where they like, they start to regurge and similar to like with the diamonds and then they just kind of fall apart. Is, is that been worked through? Is that? Oh. Yeah, it's definitely uh well, so 
So emeralds for me were an animal that I tried many years ago, and they were one of these things that, you know, wild caught was all that was really available to me at the time. Nobody was really breeding. And I would have the regurgitation problem. I would have the um, prolapse problem, which is very uncommon now, but it still does happen with emeralds. But I, I would get a lot of prolapses. And, I mean, they were just a nightmare for me. And, and I just couldn't even justify trying to keep them anymore because I was just doing so poorly. I'm like, why am I taking these things out of the wild and not doing good with them, you know? So, you know, I went my way with different species and some guys stuck with it like Ed and Tony Nikolai and, um, you know, others and Ryan and Steve Volk and all them. And, um, um, of course, Rico, you know, um, so, right. you know, they pioneered, you know, captive husbandry of these guys and figured a lot of things out. You know, we were doing everything wrong back in the day. We were thinking, well, they're getting too much pressure on their belly the way they're perching, so their perches must be too small. You have to give them bigger bigger perches, wider perches to distribute the weight of the prey item in them, and that's probably why they're regurging. So people were even experimenting with, like, like balls to make them perch on a ball and all this stuff. And here it is, that's, like, totally the wrong thing. Like, you want hmm. these narrow, skinny, little, like, looking like they're going to break perches for adult animals. Um, and, and you know, that's what really uh, benefits them and their security and their health and everything else. But the regards problem is really more of an issue with, uh, um, oh, the name is escaping right now, the bacteria that they have. But it, it, it's, a, it's a condition, you know, caused by... Uh, stress and everything else in, inside of them and, and getting that chronic regurgitation syndrome cleaned up in these animals. Ryan would be, Ryan Olson is very knowledgeable about that as is Harlan Wall of the issues and causes of it. But it's very common to come in with wild quad animals and that has wiped out many an emerald collection because, you know, people would buy these uh, wild caught animals and then just add them right into the collection without a minimum of a 90 day quarantine. And, and guys like Ryan and all will even quarantine for up to a year on the animal to make sure it's running clean fecals and everything else before they add it into their, um, you know, foundation stock. So, you know, it's definitely something of a huge concern. My problem and while I want to work with wild caught is I never liked the following somebody else's footsteps let's say like i'd rather get animals from the wild and maybe go my own way with it and and not be working off of somebody else's project um as far as the breeder and me goes um but the you know want to do well with the animal inside of me you know goes with the captive born animals 100 percent because they're they're Really, you got to get the basics down on how to keep these guys, too. They're definitely not for everybody, but um, you get captive bred animals and you have a little bit of snake uh, history. They're very easy captives, although, like Owen says, you know, they do command respect. Um, they got some incredible dentation. So you definitely do have to give these animals quite a bit of respect, especially a large animal. female's head is simply massive and talk about dragon like their head is just so huge for their body 
Um, mm-hmm. Packed with some very long teeth that can do some good damage by hitting an artery or poking an eyelid and getting you in the eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are so heat sensitive. Um, you know, I use radiant heaters in my snake room to, for heat. And if you get an animal worked up, you know, I have removable perches. It just makes things so easy because during the day, it's like a light switch. They'll be coiled up in their ball on a perch, and you can literally, unless you have a super aggressive animal, you can literally do whatever you want with that perch, take them out, not even cautiously put them. I, I have this, like, uh, bracket that I set up that I just put the perch in, and it holds the animal freestanding while I clean the cage. And I've just put the perch back, and the animal never even moves off that perch. But yeah. if I have a worked-up animal, literally from 10 feet away, it will feel the heat of that radiant heat panel from 10 feet away and just do a blind strike in that direction at the heat panel. They pick up the heat from that far away. It's just incredible wow. how That's Mother insane. Nature works. Um, but, yeah, well, every time I see it, I'm just blown away. that they're, they're looking around, and they feel that heat, and they strike blindly at that, that radiant heat panel in the, in the room. It's just it's mind-blowing how sensitive hmm. that is. But they're just so unique, you know. They're when they're hungry, the the way they hunt posture, they they'll set up an an ambush over a game trail, I guess, in the wild. But in captivity, they'll get to their favorite location where you typically feed, and they'll hang from that coiled perch with their head literally three inches off the base of the floor. And you know, you offer the prey off of forceps, or if you're feeding a young one something alive, you just drop it down there and. You know, they strike down and pull that thing up into their coils like a spider into the web. It's they're just insanely cool animals to to me, just even to watch, let alone work with and try to breed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are like one of those. Oh, it's good, Owen. I mean, like, have have you had? I, I, have you bred yours currently, or are you kind of still yeah. mucking around with that? No, no. I got the. Uh, I got. Three gravid girls. Unfortunately, my one gravid girl was 135 days into her post-ovulation shed, and you know they she needed maybe another I don't know 10 to 20 days. Sometimes they'll go up to 180 days even, but mm-hmm. she was getting right in that range, and it was starting to take a toll on her. Like her head shrunk from weight loss, and her body was really starting to see it. And towards the end, I was posting some pictures of her and. Guys in the know, like Adam Gee and everybody else, were like, wow, she's she's taken a beating through this pregnancy. You can notice that she was losing a lot of weight, and she did. I, I lost her, like, just days from um, yeah. giving birth. So she had eight perfect babies inside her, all perfectly developed, all, you know, looking fantastic, ready to go. And, you know, Ed and everybody else is like, listen, it's just one of them things with these guys that does happen. Um, so, you know, that was definitely a heartbreaking thing because I had gotten a gravid girl. I believe she was gravid in many years ago and she dropped, but I don't consider that as a breeding success, you know, but mm-hmm. I got to have a birth of babies and take care of the babies. And that was a great learning experience back in the day. But, um, you know, I don't consider that as I bred them. Um, you know, some people do get gravid females and think, Hey, I bred these things, you know, but <laughs> no, no, breeding them, you know, so, so this go-round will be my first true um, actual breeding of the species. So hopefully this other girl is getting close now, and uh, 
she's, you know, faring much better through the uh, pregnancy and holding body weight a lot better. And she's fed a few times through a gestation, which, um, you know, has definitely helped her maintain her weight. I think the other girl, you know, she just ran out of gas before she could deliver the litter. It just took too much of a toll on her. So it was definitely heartbreaking to see that and lose her and the babies, you know. It's just yeah. really, really a hard hit there too. But, um yeah, so I got two other girls in the in the wings and uh you know, getting close on those so I'm fingers crossed and hoping for them. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. <clears throat> okay, and I saw uh I was gonna say, um I saw your your setup, so you're keeping those at Ambien as well? I'm and keeping them in... at Ambien and uh yeah. I'm also uh, you know, doing them in large, very large tubs which you definitely volume-wise equate to a lot of people's caging. And I started out with smaller animals in tubs because a lot of people keep their smaller animals in tubs. And Uh I just did so fantastic with them, even though a lot of people frown on tubs for arboreals and everything, you know, you don't get to see the animals and I get all, all the negative things about it. But these guys are just doing fantastic. Like, you know, I, I mean, I went from having all the issues I had back in the day to, being super successful with raising these guys. So, you know, I started in like 2013 with this group that I'm raising up to for breeding and everything again, and they've done so well. So I just kept increasing the size of the tub and, you know, everybody's doing fantastic now. So I just built a lot more shelving this last weekend, got some more tubs and got everybody going up in size and in the tubs and uh, everybody's doing fantastic that way. I like keeping a very large water bowl in there side ventilation i'm keeping them at ambient um even the gravid females are at ambient which i do with my uh amazon three boas and my roshis i got them all at ambient i got a gravid roshi right now too so really happy about that um nice but uh yeah yeah so you know keeping them at ambient i wrote this thing on uh one of the corrales groups about uh you know what breeders thoughts that have more experience than i do are because well, everybody I've talked to that's bred numerous clutches, they have a lot of, I see a lot of kinked animals and I see a lot of like cleft lips and, you know, deformities in the head and with bow, mm-hmm. with pythons, that's always a temperature related issue. And they, everybody, pres- you know, provides these guys with radiant heat panels in the cages and let the animals choose and all. But I'm still more and more and the older I get, believe a lot of animals over bask in captivity. It's a lot of issues that people have. And I think that was causing a lot of kinking for people by providing maybe too warm of basking spots to gravid girls because it was uh-huh. very frequent, a lot of people's clutches. So I'm trying my girls at, um, at ambient and uh, I'm going to see how that goes. Cause I do very well with other corrales that way. So I'm trying it with these guys and see how it goes, you know, with these other two girls. So how difficult is the transition from being a python guy to being a boa guy? guy? Well, I actually started out really, I would say, as a boa guy because the first first boids that I ever bred were just Colombian boa constrictors. And I had two females my first time out of the gate breeding um, any kind of, you know, intentionally trying to breed um, boids. And um, I had... Two girls that 
got gravid the first year I tried, and both girls dropped 32 perfect babies, no slugs, and both girls dropped on the same very day. I'm like, what the hell? They, they actually dropped on the same day, had the same number of babies in the clutch. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you know, and I'm like, this is easy. What the hell is everybody doing with pipe on eggs and putting them in incubators, you know? And right. uh, so I really actually started with that. I mean, you know, I was breeding Dumerals and Sanzania, and, you know, those guys, even before I was real heavy into the uh, the blood pythons and, and carpets and everything else. So I really kind of started with uh, boas uh, before the pythons. And I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like, you know. It seems like I can name like a couple of species that I've worked with for 20 plus years. And it just, you know, when I sit and think about them and, and all of how long I've really been passionate and into this and can't believe still how much I just love it and can't get enough of it every day, you know? Yeah. It's, it's such a crazy addiction, man. <laughs> like, yeah. it, 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 it's like you're, it becomes, you know, I find myself at work sometimes just thinking like, Oh man, I should be at home in my snake room and you know, mm-hmm. what's going on and da, 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 da. And I don't know. I just, you just become engulfed in it. It's just, it's funny how it's it's such a big part of our lives that are in the hobby but you know when you're at work and i'm you know i'm in i'm a project manager and a general contractor so i'm around all these construction guys all day and they're talking about the giants and they're talking about this and talking about that (laughs) i'm thinking like i wonder how my gravid emerald is doing right now you know if i blurted out accidentally everybody looks at me with this strange like puppy cocked head look like what the hell are you talking about you know or i'll get these boxes delivered at work and nobody can even fathom why a grown man would be into this you know but Uh it's just like anything else i guess you know it's definitely a small unique niche in this this world to us it's everything but in the grand scheme of things it's like you know not too many people are really into it (laughs) and and think how drastically different your life would be without it because i mean i have a green tree python skeleton that sits in my desk at my insurance office where i sell people insurance and it's just there and i have four tattoos of my snakes that are all over my body and it's like those wouldn't be there either and it's just something that is different and like you said keith i get boxes delivered to work and i also ship out boxes of work so it's right one of those things where it does kind of engulf it bleeds into everything and especially with uh things like carpet fest where you make connections with people who are in that crazy little niche that you are so you know it's yeah yeah carpet fest i would want to see daytona get going again and it's not about the selling of animals or anything else. It's just, mm. I mean, it's just fantastic hanging with kindred souls. You know what I mean? It definitely makes you feel like you're not that freaky person. <laughs> real. There's a lot of you out there, you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah now those, those gatherings are so much more than just selling animals. And people have think it's just about, well, I can sell animals on the internet. I don't need to go to the shows. They're just missing out on such a huge uh, part of the hobby that, you know, they should really give us second thought to about really attending some of these shows and, and getting to know people one-on-one and, uh, you know, definitely, definitely just a, a cool way to approach the hobby, I think. For sure. For sure. <clears throat> yeah. Is there anything at Tinley that you're going to be looking to pick up or are you, uh, 
Um, yeah, you know, I'd always be on the lookout for a really cool looking emerald and, um, who knows, you know, I mean, last year I wound up with those Madagascar, uh, uh, ground boas from Paul after I went right. home, like I couldn't get those orange <laughs> monsters off of my, in my head. Brain. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I just, you know, like spent all this money out there, but I got to get those things. So Paul was fantastic enough to be willing to, to do a trade for, a calico tiger, uh, Amazon tree boa that I had produced, and uh, and I gave him a, a a pair, a mate for that, and he was uh, able to to do it and was wanting to do it. So I went up with these insane ground boas that I never thought in a million years I'd be coming back from Tinley with in in a way, you know. So who knows? I mean, I, I do have my eyes open. I've um, I actually contacted Mike because. That little group, uh, Boas uh, Wanted, you know, I had posted that I was looking for a T-positive Argentine boa um, just to have. You know, it's not something that I, I really care about breeding or producing or anything else, but they're just so impressive when they're big. And I got a pair of really nice black ones, Eugene Bissett line, that are just such incredible, big, gentle, you know, another black and white snake that I just love, so... I was thinking about maybe looking for one of those, but Mike's got some, so I'll probably wind up getting one from him. Um, but otherwise, you know, probably Emerald would be the first thing on my radar out there. I, I, hopefully, Ian will get there first and find it for me, so I won't have to do the work. I was about to say, do you want to throw that out there? Because I know Ian's going to listen probably, and he'll get there first, and he can do all the shopping for you as well. All you yeah. got to do is just roll in. You know, yeah, right. well, the good, the good thing is that Ian doesn't have any more room in his facility, so if he <laughs> finds something, he's going to be like, Keith, can you take this and breed it? So, well, and, <laughs> so I'll wind up with it anyway, if, even if he finds it. <laughs> is it reversed, re, too? Because there was an Amazon, because I, I was hanging out with Ian in Daytona, and there was an Amazon that he's like, I don't know if I should get it. And I'm like, you should. And he goes, that's what Keith said. I'm like, oh, well, we should listen to Keith. So, uh, and he was like, he was, he was on the fence about it. So yeah. I mean, does it go the other way where you're like telling him, do it, buy it. Don't, don't yeah, let it absolutely. go. Yeah. No, right. I try to get him to get different things, but so right now Ian, you know, is, is working on what he wants to there's just so much variety with the Amazon tree boas, you know? Right. And he's got to make up his mind which direction he wants to go and what his goals are because breeding is the goal for him with those guys right now. So, you know, he's bouncing different things off and his idea, and then he's asking my opinion on this and that. And at the end of the day, he's got to decide, you know, which one he wants to get for himself. But he's definitely trying to put together, like, an awesome group of uh, of uh Amazon's for sure. So, yeah, we bounce in ideas back and forth all the time. You know, he's always always on the lookout for something along those lines. Nice. Cool. Now, are you going to have a, you're setting up the table with Matt, right? Do yeah, you Matt, have stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm going to bring uh, I'm going to bring a baby emerald that uh, I've had since it was red. I got it from Joe. It's a it's a it's a farm baby, but. Um, it's turned green now. It's a beautiful animal, but I got a lot of males, and I have males that have more of what I want to do. The funny thing with emeralds is I, I've had to buy some animals, not this one. This one is really cool, but I've had to buy some animals to get the animal I wanted because people only want to sell them as a pair. And I get uh-huh. the other animal, and I'm, like, you know, disappointed by the pictures because it doesn't have a lot of white or doesn't have this. But it's one of those things, man, when I see it in person, I'm like, 
that thing is cool in its own right, even though it doesn't have a lot of white and it doesn't have a this or that that I'm really looking for at the moment. Um, so, like, I do wind up with a lot of animals that, you know, I have to spend a year assessing whether or not it's a direction yeah. I want to go. And this little male is somebody, you know, once he colored up green, he's got a lot of decent white and all, but he just doesn't have the look that I'm looking for at the moment. So I'm going to bring him out, and I have um, I have definitely some uh, little Amazons from last year that I produced. I keep them for a year or two because I want to see the direction they're going. I also want people that are going to get them to see the direction they're going to go before they, uh, you know, get it and are disappointed with how it goes. So I keep those guys for a year. Then I have some Woma. I'm going to bring your Woma out there. So I can't wait to see when you see that little guy, little girl, <laughs> you think I'm an Eric. But I'm bringing a couple right. of Womas to hell. So, yeah, I got some stuff I'm bringing. But cool, I, I'm cool. really looking forward to going through Matt's stuff, man. You know, I like I haven't seen him post a lot of pictures of what he's produced this year and everything. So I can't wait to, like, be unpacking and helping him set up and get everybody in their tubs. And I spend more time looking at him than helping him actually put in the tubs. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's cool. That must be a cool uh, experience because it would be it would be like me getting out of carpets and then moving on to some other species and then like showing up and unpacking Owen's carpets that he like you know been working on for a while and like move projects forward and just be like what the holy hell because Matt's yeah. What's really cool though is like what's really cool with Matt is. You know, me and Matt have been friends a very long time, and Matt has some of the stuff that I, you know, started, like, you know, marbles and this and that, but he's taken it to 10 levels beyond where I was when I got out. Mm -hmm. So for me to see stuff that I developed, and then he's taken and put his spin on it and bred other things into it and developed his own lines, and to see where that's go, like, I held in my hand, it's, it's humbling, it's awe-inspiring, and I'm really proud of him. I mean, he has really, you know, put blood, sweat, and tears into his collection, and I'm so happy to see him be so successful in producing what he's producing. It's it's very humbling, you know, and, and to be yeah. at his table now, he was that guy coming to me in Daytona X amount right. of years ago, getting some of his first stuff, and now I'm working at his table like it. It's just like uh, the circle of life in the hobby, like in a way, you know. So I, I feel it's a huge honor to be there and helping him and, like I say, seeing where he's going with his stuff and all. It's just it's just really cool. Definitely, definitely very cool. I had that feeling this year when um, Nick, you know, Nick's he's, you know, he's like the guy that I've kind of steered me in the carpet python world, right? And, right. like, mm-hmm. he's contacted me for animals that I produced. And I'm like, wait right. a minute. <laughs> wait, wait, what? <laughs> Bizarre world is this? Yeah. <laughs> you want an animal from the universe? <laughs> yeah. He's like, ah, oh, those Poplin carpets that you produced, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, oh, wow, I must be on to something here. If, like, you know, if, if this guy's, you know, hunting me down. But right. I don't know. It's just cool, you know, to, 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 to have it flip, you know? So. Yeah, no, I mean, hey, you know, we're all we're all in this together, like, you know, and trying to further different projects if it's just for breeding aspect or whatever else. And when you see somebody take something that you started and go beyond your expectations as the guy that started it, it's, 
it's like I say, it's pretty cool. So I'm sure Nick yeah. feels that way about things that you have done, you know, because I definitely feel that way. You know, Frank Goody has produced some insane yeah. blue animals. Mark Kirkpatrick has produced some stuff out of the albino ivories he's got for me that, you know, are light years ahead. Like all these different guys that are like so into it now and working with stuff I have. It, like I say, it's very humbling to, to go and talk to them and see the enthusiasm and them taking that project so much further than you ever thought it could go. And yeah, it's definitely very cool. Definitely very so cool. here, here's going to be my, la- Owen might have a question after me, but this will be my last question for the night. So do you ever get the bug to get back hmm. into them? Like, did, yeah. did you ever be like, Oh man, I like, is there ever been, I mean, I would imagine that granite stuff or whatever well, he calls it marble or granite i can't remember mine is marble marble the needs was the granite line and tracy's was a granite line mine um was a marble that i marble. you know started from wild caught but so my answer to that using... question is absolutely yeah there's no doubt but it, it, it's crack cocaine to me if I had <laughs> one of those I know I would just go and need this and need that so like I, I just I, I am definitely like I, I am Keith McPeak and I have an addiction problem so <laughs> I can't I can't even open that door and thankfully I've remained friends and those people in that community still consider me a blood guy and a short tail guy, even though I've been out of them for five, six years now. And, you know, they'll show me their new stuff that they've produced before they show anybody else. And, you know, I'm still in that community, even though I don't own them. So that's what keeps me from not getting back into them because I have them all at my fingertips with people that I consider family. So, but gotcha. yes, absolutely. I mean, some of the <laughs> some of these things that people are creating and and coming out with, and, and you know, um, Elijah too from Joggernaut. I mean, he's producing yeah. some insane stuff. So yeah, no, without a doubt, I definitely see that stuff, and I'm like, I need that. Now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, and it would be so easy. You know, you know everyone to call. I do, and you know what? Half of those people would say, Keith, take it. You know what I mean? Yeah, so no, that yeah. makes it even more. Yeah. <laughs> so I quickly run downstairs, and I look at my bull and I say, you cannot get them until you breed bull and I. Right. You know? Stay, on, stay yeah. on the course. Stay on stay the on course. Stay on the wagon. Yeah. Don't, don't exactly. come off the wagon. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Oh, and you got anything else? Graham too. Yeah. I got to mention Graham, too, real quick, man. You guys had yeah. Graham on, I think, not too long ago. But, man, he's producing some really cool stuff, too, you know? And oh, uh, I love sure. to see him succeeding over there because there's such a non-market, it seems like, over there, you know, and it's like, you know, just the ground floor. Um, you know, not a lot of people working with him, so it's really cool to see him pushing the species over there and promoting and educating people on it, you know, so I love seeing it through his eyes also. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised that they're not as popular over there. I It surprises me that, uh, you know, you would think with, the, like, a lot of the laws that they have with the big constrictors and stuff that you can't really own those, that they would fit that niche you know, having a big yeah. snake in a small package type of deal. Right, so. exactly. <clears throat> hmm. Well, 
Give him a couple years. Graham will have it. He'll yeah, have it. yeah, yeah. He'll be come banging on banging down his door. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. So, so cool. I, I guess the only question I would have would be um, if you do get the success with the Bolins, would you pivot onto another species that is hard? Like, would you, if you have like three or four years of success with the Bolins, would you be like, all right, Halmaheras now or Halapello? <laughs> <laughs> like or would you or would you just stay with the Bolins? Well, uh when I was into birds, um mm. this guy told me when I was breeding exotic pheasants, he's really hard to breed pheasants. He goes, You are not successful with a species until you've raised and bred F two. And huh. I feel that way with Bolin and I. Until I breed them get a clutch, raise those babies and breed those babies again, I'm not going to consider myself successful. And again, I'm closing in on 60, so I think they're going to <laughs> take me right out to the end. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, I may dabble in another, another uh, you know, get another species here and there that I haven't really spent a lot of time with for sure along the way, but no, nah, I, I don't see myself uh, giving up on the bull and I and trying to champion them and, and keeping them going in captivity. Um, they'll be in my collection, I think, till the day I'm gone. So, Okay. Cool. Nice. Okay. Um, so, like you said, you'll be at Tinley, uh, and uh, people can uh, check you out. You should, if they're interested in stuff you got going on, where can they check it out? On Facebook? Uh, under uh, your yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely friend me on Facebook. Or if you're going to Tinley, stop by uh, Philly Herp's uh, Matt's table. I'm going to be hanging out there. Or I'll be hanging out with Ari over at his table, um, trying to get my hardcover copy of the damn book. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I'll probably be over by your guy's table. But, you know, Matt would be the place I'll, I'll be checking in there and hanging out and helping Matt as much as I can. So um, if anybody's cool. going to Tinley and you see me, recognize me, make sure you introduce yourself, say hi, and talk snakes, man. I'm into it uh, anytime, anywhere. Gotcha. Cool. All right, That's man. Awesome, well, man. thanks for coming back on. and. Uh... Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, and have a blast at Chicago. I mean, uh, you know, uh, you guys guys knock yourselves out. (laughs) (laughs) We'll send you pics, Owen. (laughs) Thank you. That's all I want. Yeah. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right, Keith. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye. Awesome. Always good yeah. talking with uh, Keith. Well, yeah, we say that every year. Out of all the guys we want to see have a project come to fruition, it's definitely Keith. I mean, the dude just oozes passion about any species. Like you said, he's the kind of guy that he can't find a reptile that he'd be like, yeah, I could keep that. I could get behind that. Thing. And that's, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's true reptile passion to me because even I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not touching that with a 30-foot no. pole. So, you know, exactly. he's like, yeah. So, um but no, dude, definitely very cool. Um, and I hope he gets his book. It's just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I uh, <clears throat> I can't wait to get it either, man. I mean, we've been well, talking about this book for years, man. Years. <laughs> it's been and years. That's awesome. And and, and you know, it, it's something cool. It's like it, you're. To- we we're talking earlier about like what would you get at Tinley? You like your list at Tinley at this point because you're pretty good on all your snakes. Is that be like I would get this book. Oh my god, if this book's here, you know. 
it's well, like how you know every once in a while Rob just appears and he goes, I found this book that was written originally in like the 1800s in blood from the pygmies that were researched it, <laughs> you know, and it's like, what? And he's like, yeah, you know, it's like that. You, you, you hope to find it. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think one of the most um, underappreciated tables at any reptile show is the books table. You yes. know, you don't, they don't, it doesn't get a lot of love. And, you know, if more people maybe spend a little more time, to me, that's always the most exciting. Like, oh, is there, is there a book that I can find? You know, I mean, I don't know. I'm always uh, trying to track down some rare, of course, the thing that I want is, you know, something you can't find or it's out of, of print course. or, you know, it's just like, God damn, there's a, I don't know if it's a book or a paper or whatever, but Richard Shine um, put out a, um, some, some kind of like book, um, about diamond pythons and I've been hunting Ooh. that thing down. Um, but it's out of print. The only person I know that has a copy of it is Dave Kelly. Other than that, I don't, I don't know anybody that has it. And like, I'm just like somebody in the world has to have it has sitting in the closet it. somewhere. Like I will give you uh $70 for this piece of paper. That's sitting in your, you know what I mean? <laughs> like some crazy amount of money. You know, some so, people I don't some know. people dig the books. I mean, I have a I have a uh, set of, of shelves downstairs uh, outside the snake room that's just filled with reptiles and magazines. And every right. time I'm at a show, I'm like, I should really pick up these books and start swapping out those damn reptiles magazines for like the books. Like that would be, yeah. you know. And and I will I will get there eventually. But you know, it's one of those things where it's like every time I'm there, I'm like, but I need rats. So it's. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I gotta, I gotta Rats. spend food money. Goddamn snakes need yeah. to eat. You know, yeah. for sure. So, mm. but uh, cool stuff. Um, I wanted to it just kind of happened as we were going through the show, and I know mm. you liked it because I seen it pop up. But uh, what did you think of the, uh, you know, our good friend Darren Whitaker with I, the uh, albino bread's eye? More research well, hold than needed. On. Before, before people go and twist it and say that, that there's that, that just, an albino bread lie. No, he took it a Darwin albino. Now everything is insanity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was. I'm like, and now people are like, what? <laughs> like typing seriously. Yeah. But um, no, it was. Uh, he had bred a Darwin uh, albino to a bread lie to right. create the 50 50 hats. Yeah. So, and then had, did uh, I was I was kind of reading and starting to and trying to pay attention to what we were doing. So yeah. I may have I may have to reread it. But um, did he get did he breed them together, or are we just talking about how the hets look? No, I think he's he's got the hets that. Well, I know he's had hets because I know he yeah. had them a while ago. But um, yes, you know, I guess maybe they're getting to the age where they're gonna start to breed, maybe or whatever. But um, yeah. I know there's a guy, uh, uh, Brent Smith from KHP Reptiles. I think I think he's already done it. And when you okay. see the um, you see the picture of it, you kind of like, oh wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But I don't know, man. <laughs> well, I mean, I, mean, I know you won't cross this. the line. I, you, I, that's there are very few lines you won't cross. That's one of them for you. But it's like, but we say that. But like I've said a million times, if it turns out to be interesting, people will be more open to doing it. 
Like yeah. we always talked about how uh, the battle chondro, the crossing the rough scale and the green tree. And it was like, oh man, what would we get? I'm like, it would all depend on what the babies look like. If the babies come out with keeled scales and a large head shield, you're damn right everybody's going to do it. If they come out looking like a really ugly green tree python, no one will ever do it again. And right. it came out like kind of an ugly green tree python, and nobody did it. Like very few people do it. So right. it would all depend on if these albinos come out bright freaking red with white. I guarantee you everybody does it. Like <laughs> I mean, like that's it done. If it's like fire engine red with white, it's it's happening. If it looks like a, the T negative bloods that uh, Matt had, oh yeah, done. Can you imagine? Everybody would do it. <laughs> everybody would do it. I it think I would so do it. fast. <laughs> I know, exactly. I that I you'd be it. like, oh my god! Like you, you I, I would have to do line. it. You Nick know, and then imagine <laughs> you're not getting those animals now from Nick. He's like, he's listening, and he's, he's like, like, no, no sir. He's like, Turn it he's back on around. his way to drop them off, and he's spinning his car around right now. So, yeah. um, but and that thing is like, and then imagine hypo into it. Would that intensify the color? Would you see the contrast go different? These are things that um, you get to worry about. But yeah, I don't know. If now, now if they breed them and you lose the reddish color and it kind of becomes like a muddled, I don't know, a not as bright yellow, no one will ever do uh-huh. it again. So you know what you know what you know what impresses me about that pairing more than anything is how yeah. the hell did you get like the Darwin to breed a bright <laughs> Yeah, like because one's a a winter breeder, one's a summer breeder. Like, how do you time that so that you know? Well, well, I mean, think about it this way. If I cool my guys down, I warm them up and bring them in the room, and I still have locks from my coastals and stuff like that. So I've yeah, had bread like clutches lay, and then a week later get my final coastal clutch. Okay. All right. So you there is an overlap. There is so, an overlap. It's, it's just like time in yeah. that overlap. Then what do you do with the babies? Like, do you, you cool them, them down like bread <laughs> Oh, oh. You see what I'm saying? Like, do you cool I them do. down like Bradley, or well, do we've you? Had we've had that thought of when it comes to jungles and diamonds, and nobody's ever had a problem breeding jungles and diamonds, and I don't think anybody eh. cools down that stuff. Well, there were probably crosses to begin with. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, my. Oh my God! <laughs> what are you saying? Now I don't know. It just always fascinates me how you would get the two to to breed, but you know, definitely a cool project. I'm glad that those guys are doing it, so we can see what it looks like. So we, uh, you know, before we go and do it. I mean, the heads are definitely really cool. They look uh, gorgeous. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it it just kind of comes to it when what will it come down the line? I mean, I know you're working with the citrus tiger head albino so we we have not yet seen that come through right no no that's hopefully this season yeah hopefully so i mean let's say you breed those and the things come out with ridiculous amounts of crazy ass colors and bright intense yellow and a and clean white you know hell yeah that i call that a success you know so the plan for me yeah the plan for me for this for that project in particular is is that i'm breeding just the head to head, tiger to tiger, yeah. right? To try to get right. that really nice stripe. But I'm also breeding a that one crazy male to my caramel head albino female to see what happens with that. Ah. So I think that will kick it up even another notch, you know, because yeah. 
anything. So I have caramel, the like the caramel citrus tigers. Oh my god, dude, yeah, they're crazy, like crazy looking. And then I have, you know, I have like uh, citrus tiger zebra jags and stuff like that that I've done, where just the yellow is just crazy intense, you know. So, yeah, but we'll see. They may look like dog shit. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know, you you do not know until you try. And I mean, people, we would have, I would have turned my nose up at, you know, brettle diamond jungle jags, and then scream came out, and I'm like, holy crap. So, yeah. and then I'll also say this, that it's, it's hard getting one to come out looking the way you want it, but it's even harder getting it to repeat itself. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, for all you know, you might get one gem and then the rest is dog shit and you have to try to now get that gem to reproduce and yeah. not its babies just come out looking like crap too. So it, it could be one of those things. I... I'm open to seeing more albino stuff. I would have loved to see pure albino stuff because I'd love to see, there's already the comparison, the differences between the different subspecies. So, right. You know, like right now, right now I have an albino Jag downstairs and she's very pretty. She's very nice, but I can see the Darwin influence in her. And I would love to get, there's an albino coastal in Australia somewhere. God knows where, what it's doing, if it's breeding, if it's still alive. Um, uh, yeah, and I would love to see what a pure albino coastal brings to the table when it comes mixed in with certain morphs like hypo and caramel and even jag. So I would imagine it would be pretty badass. I would, <laughs> you know, I, I would, I mean, how happy would you be to have an albino best. jag that's pure coastal? I, all my Darwin's <laughs> would be immediately sold. Get out of here. I don't need you anymore. The only reason yeah. you're here is now gone. Like, get out. So, right. I mean, and also I imagine that they would blend better. I mean, as, as good as the Darwins mix with, you know, coastals, I, they're, they're, they're not on the same color spectrums or whatever. There's some differences with the species. I would say an albino pure coastal might blend better with the pure coastal morphs. So, right. Yeah. Cool stuff, man. It's cool stuff ahead for sure. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll uh, we'll get uh, get it together and get the heck out yeah. of here. Um, next week, yes. Uh, I don't know if we have a guest for next week. I'm gonna have to look at that. You may <clears> have to. I think ten two is uh, open, uh, to, and then the following week is Ari. He'll be on to talk about cool. His trip to Copenhagen, his new book, and, and, uh, and then, Tinley. And then the week after that, we have the post-Tinley show where I get to talk to you, Matt, and Rob about how much fun you yeah. had without me. And, oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, and then uh, then is our anniversary show. So, <clears throat> uh, Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, uh, okay, so for uh, us, um, as far as... Um, uh, hold on. Shit. Um, yeah, so as far as us, MoreliaPythonRadio.com, info at MoreliaPythonRadio.com for our email. Um, and then uh, you can follow us on Facebook. Uh, I think we're also on Twitter. Uh, Blog Talk Radio slash MoreliaPythonRadio is where you can find us uh, on Blog Talk. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever we get podcast stuff. 
uh, we will be there. Uh, so <laughs> check it out. Um, as far as myself, ebmorelia.com, Eric at ebmorelia.com is my uh, email. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I will be at Tinley Park uh, this upcoming. Um, sorry, Owen. <laughs> just stop it. Just, just, just uh, stop it. It's October 13th and 14th. Um, so, uh, you know, hope to see you there. I have, uh, tons of cool stuff, uh, to, for sale. Um, you know, lots of bajays. Damn it. Lots of pop. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> double head stuff, double head exanic granites, uh, which actually turned out pretty striped, which surprised me. Um, Why everything you th- breed turn out striped and I can't get a goddamn stripe on anything. I don't uh, know. I'll have some uh, some Gamalang Jags. Uh, they're turning out really nice. Um, I'm yeah. thinking about bringing my mail. I'm thinking about breeding, just bringing them to just show off, but I'm like on the fence on whether I should or not. But If you need an adult display, I got tons of them. So. Yeah, but that one in particular, because I want them to see, you know what I mean? Like if they're walking yeah. by and they see, they're going to, I just remember when um, John Battaglia brought, uh, the first carpet row he gamma. brought the yeah. gamma and uh, people were just do like, it. what the hell is that? Do it, dude. You're right. <laughs> you that'll, that'll get people's attention. So, yeah. So, but uh, that's where you can find me and stuff. Uh, you know, if you want to pick something up, hit me up and uh, I can deliver it to Tinley. Uh, so hopefully we'll see you there. Cool. Uh, what I will remind everybody is that the calendar competition is still live. You have to go to the Morelia pick of the week and submit on the thread there. Uh, if you put it anywhere else, it does not count. I understand we have like multiple Facebook pages and other things like that. Uh, you cannot email them to us. You have to go on the Morelia pick of the week and put it there. So do that. Um, you have till the 13th of October to submit and then we will close it. And then we will have the show to announce the winners later on. Uh, for me, you can go to rogue-reptiles.com. It is still under construction, but the for sale page is up and running. Uh, for more up-to-date, every single baby that we have currently for sale is on the Rogue Reptiles Facebook page. So go to Facebook, look up Rogue Reptiles, give us a like, go to the photos, and click on the for sale gallery and check out everything there. Uh, I will start throwing things up on the Morph Market, King Snake, Fauna, stuff, places like that, probably this week. Uh, if you do see anything you like and are going to Tinley, let me know. I can always make my good friend Eric Burke take it to you. So, you know, that's an option uh, with no extra charge. Um, True story. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and that's it. Uh, you can also go and follow me on Instagram, which is my last name, McIntyre, M-C-I-N-T-Y-R-E-O-J on Instagram. Uh, I do post snakes and stuff up there. Pretty much that's all I do. So um, that's all we have for everybody this time. So we'll say thank you all for listening. And we're going to catch everybody back here next week for some more Morelia Python Radio. Good night. <laughs>